0: The Linux Action Show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan, and DigitalOcean. Go over to digitalocean.com and use our promo code LASTDIGITAL, and then you can spin up your own Linux rig for free. Welcome to Linux Action Show, episode 369. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hey, Noah, good morning to you. Wait a minute, Noah, you're not back at your studio where the
1: heck are you right now i am at southeast linux fest 2015 we have been streaming live for three days and it has been an absolute blast being able to talk with people being able to meet with people uh catching up with with friends from from last year that we met and uh and obviously talking to all the very talented and devoted speakers that are here Mm -hmm. uh, providing great content of course you're gonna see that all in the show today
0: yeah huge show coming up um Tons of exclusive interviews from Southeast (laughs) Linux Fest 2015. We're going to play those a little bit, plus a bunch of great information we've gotten from the floor. We'll tell you a little bit about the conference itself and all the great things that have come out of it. And then, of course... No, this is a regular show. I mean, come on! No, yeah, we still, yeah. there's still, the news continues on. In the news segment this week, we're going to celebrate the new release of the Mate project. Uh, also, some interesting landmarks in both Unity 8 and Mir's development. We'll give you just a quick update on where both of those things are. Plus, we have interviews with folks from Canonical about those projects. And then HP's grand vision, the machine. The machine that was going to run Linux. Womp womp. They've killed it. We'll tell you what's going on with oh, HP and why they're refactoring, but it doesn't necessarily mean that Linux and an open source is out. Stay tuned for m- information about that. And then in the feedback segment, we're probably going to do something a little different this week since Noah didn't collect any feedback. <laughs> I just got you. Yeah, no, it's fine because you've been busy. So what we're gonna, gonna say, do instead. It's... What I was thinking we could do instead is maybe we'll just collect some people while you're there at the fest, and uh, while we're playing interviews, Noah, you have them sit, have them sit down, and we'll just do a like a, we'll do live feedback. We'll just talk to people in the show. We don't need to do emails this week. We can talk to people on the floor, so that'll be that our feedback totally segment this week. We'll kind of could just totally interweave work? it for us with the rest of the show, so it'll be like all in there with people. Uh, so yeah, huge show. But before we do all of that, Noah, it is the picks. Our picks. Yes, it is. And uh, this one is our Runs Linux pick this week, and it's just, you know, <clears throat> you know, a bit of a sign of all of the things that are to come, a harbinger of our doom, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, because this DARPA award-winning, that's $2 million award-winning robot, runs Linux. It's a Korean team. They call it their DRC Hubo, and it run. i am probably not saying that right—it run- it won DARPA's Robotic Challenge finals, one of only three robots to compete— and complete the course on time. Now, Noah, get some of this in your face. Get ready for this. These robots, and some of them are about uh, human size, or child size. I'm going to play a video for you in a second. They're not cheap. Uh, they're, 100, they're 180, okay, oh, here's this one, the one that won. Here you go, here's the deets on the one. 180 uh, centimeters tall. Uh, 80 kilograms it could cost between 500 and a million dollars to build uh, and uh, the robot has been under development since 2002 it's uh, uses a semi-autonomous design and it runs a real-time Linux which has been adopted for other robots just like it so a lot of these robots that are coming out of uh, like Oregon State University and a lot of these other robots are running the same Linux distro it's like this distro that is rocking these robots it's got 33 motors which drive uh, all these different areas it's got like power amplifiers throughout it and features Feedback controllers and the power supply for the motors has a super capacitor-based backup in case the battery fails. So the thing can still move around even after a power failure. So I'm going to play a little bit of it walking around uh, just to kind of creep you out a bit. It's, not, it's actually not all of that scary, but uh, nonetheless, the thing has just been told to do something and then it goes off and does it on its own. They're not, what's neat about this is they're not giving it specific instructions. Well, neat and also kind of scary. I, think, I feel like you'd get one of these for the house, Noah
1: i totally get one of those for the house. In fact, uh, I, have, I have wanted a robot for a long, long time. I just I, I needed to be able to do useful things for me. So, for example, grab a beer from the fridge. Grab me a Coke. Make me dinner.
0: If I can get those things, I'd be all over it. Dishes. Take out the garbage. Yeah. Uh, that, exactly. ki- that kind of stuff, I'm down like a clown for. Uh, I would be all for that. <clears throat> all right. So that is the, the KSITS DRC Hubo, H-U-B-O. Uh, And it's performing a surprise look at that and it stands up you see how it's standing up right there That's what that was the part I was waiting for it just got way taller Yeah, that's one of the things it does is it drives around like a cute little uh, runt And then it stands up full freaking man size, and it's like what's up, and it takes care of a task Anyways, that's awesome. I'll I'll have a link to the video in the show notes if you're on the uh, audio version of the show It's pretty intense It's pretty intense. Hey, Noah, I want to take a moment and tell yes, you about uh, our first sponsor this week, Digital Ocean. And guess what? Whenever we're doing live coverage at an event, Digital Ocean always plays a pivotal role. And it's not uh, too hard to understand why. First of all, they're super easy to get up and going. Uh, it's very intuitive. And they are a awesome cloud hosting provider dedicated to making it. Intuitive and easy to spin up a cloud server. You're gonna get root access to a Linux box You're gonna get console HTML5 console access You can get started in less than 55 seconds and pricing plans start only five dollars a month That'll get you 512 megabytes of RAM a 20 gigabyte SSD cuz they're
2: all SSD!
0: One CPU and a terabyte of transfer, and they got data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London, and one in Germany now, great one in Germany, with 40 gigabit E connections to each hypervisor, their fastest SSDs yet, and it's at a pivotal point in the exchange over there, so you're going to get great data speeds to all of Germany's neighbors as well. But let's talk about DigitalOcean's interface. Wow, does this make using DigitalOcean reasonable, fast, and practical? It's very, very intuitive, but extremely powerful. And you can do all kinds of things from creating and obviously destroying your droplets, templating them, backing them up, taking snapshots, full DNS management, one-click installations of great open-source applications, and they make it really easy to transfer them. But... What you'll really love is as you become a long-time DigitalOcean customer and you want to start doing things a little faster, maybe for testing, you want to do things programmatically, it's like maybe through uh, an automation system like a Chef or a Puppet. Well, DigitalOcean's API rocks. It's a really classy API, and they just revved it recently and made it even better. And you can replicate all of the functionality in their dashboard in that freaking awesome API. And I hear from so many, uh, like, sometimes it's the simplest ideas. Like, people will write, uh, there's there are libraries that just, make a quick Perl script and uh, call the DigitalOcean, it's just the library, just call it, just call that, get all the functionality right there exposed to a very simple Perl script. So I, I get these great uh, comments, like, and it makes me think, man, I should do that, I'm just I maybe, I don't know, I'm too lazy, I, I just go into the dashboard, because the dashboard's really easy, and I just do snapshots in there myself. But I get emails from listeners, and they automate it as part of the uh, pre-script for their package manager. So when they're right, we're like whatever it is. It could be a Fedora rig, it could be an Ubuntu rig, a Debian rig, a CoreOS. Uh, as the package manager starts, a lot of them offer pre-scripts. Well, you just execute a, a Perl script in there. that goes out to the DigitalOcean API, does a snapshot of your machine, makes a rev copy of it, then the package manager runs. And I've gotten a couple different examples of how people do it, and it's it's pretty slick. Now, there's also folks out there that just do it as part of their push, like like their deployment. It's all the way different ways they integrate the API to make it really awesome. Now, Noah and I, we just go old school. We often use their interface because it's super easy. And Noah, I'm betting the DigitalOcean came in handy for our remote deployment this week
1: you don't i don't think you can i don't think you'd be able to put into words unless you were here experiencing it exactly what a difference digital ocean uh, played now i said numerous times in the live stream uh we're you know we're grateful that digital ocean is a sponsor for the show but they did not contribute they, they were not a sponsor of this event right uh and so everything i had to say about them over the live stream and everything i'm going to say to you right now is that's not part of that's not part of the the last ads this is this is just pure passion this is just practical, this is what worked. Uh, we came here, we set up the rig, <clears throat> we went to send uh, data, but because Alan is away uh, from Scale Engine, he couldn't make the, the, the changes that we needed uh, in the time frame that we needed for you to be able to get those interviews. So had it not been from DigitalOcean, it's no exaggeration to say that you would not be playing interviews today. Yeah. You wouldn't, because yeah. I needed to have it done. I needed it done that night so I could start uploading the 6 to 12 gigabytes worth of yeah. uh, video files, yeah. and I had to leave that, le- le- leave that go all yeah. night, so it had to be done by right. Friday night, well, I had no time the rest of the and weekend. So,
0: so, not only are you submitting all of the footage through a DigitalOcean droplet, which and the dynamic there is, wow! Uh, I need a solution, and I need it in ten minutes. Like, I need to – Noah's scenario was I need to create a server, deploy FTP software, configure it, and and have files uploading in 10 minutes. And that's where DigitalOcean solved the problem. But what you probably don't know, Noah, is on the back end here, once you get us the footage, all of the editing, all of the final clips, and all of the pre-clip, all the pre-edited and unedited and all the transcoded versions, all of those are stored in own cloud that's syncing through another DigitalOcean droplet. And the reason why we do that is the speed we get – from our DigitalOcean droplet, we put one in San Francisco, so it's, it's right on the West Coast for us. I I can blast those huge files out to all of the machines as fast as our Comcast connection here can pull them down. And and yeah. and there's, like, I can't even get that from Dropbox, and I'm doing that on my own private DigitalOcean droplet, and I always get those kinds of speed. And so it's been, yeah. so literally, before we started the show, I was saving a the last interview into the own cloud folder, sending it up to the DigitalOcean droplet and pulling it down to the, my Bonobo that way, because it works yeah. that well. Digital ocean is seriously how like we make a lot of these productions possible and you can integrate it with your workflow very easily all right. Yeah. It is, it is
1: well. It's one of those things where it there we it wasn't just that the service is available. It's that it is it, it's that it's that quick to do. So for example, I have there uh, with uh, with some of the other VPS, they require you to have um, some security authentication, uh, you know, devices and, and and steps to make sure that uh, that you are authorized to access these computers. Here, I had my laptop was tied up. I couldn't use my laptop to do some of this stuff. So I pulled my YubiKey out. I borrowed a laptop. I stuck my YubiKey in. I clicked on Noah's laptop. From the DigitalOcean droplet, and boom! Now that server has has that my SSH key in it, and I could, and by plugging my YubiKey key in, I was able to use a borrowed laptop. And then when I was done with it, I took my YubiKey key back out, handed the laptop back to its owner, and I, I was not concerned at all about. Well, now yeah, you know they. Nice. You know, there was there was there was no security loss,
0: yeah. Uh, none. Yeah. Um, except for the fact that he knew the the host name, I guess. Um, yeah. And that yeah. was great. DigitalOcean.com, and uh, you got to use our promo code for us to get credit. Last Digital that gives you a ten dollar credit trap that five dollar rig twice, twice, uh, or for two months. You know, twice a month. No, for two months. You do That last digital, you apply that to your account. Even if, you're got, if you forgot to do it at checkout, you can go in there and apply it anytime. Try out the rig. Play with CoreOS. They also have free BSD now as well, digitalocean.com. So, Noah, kind of uh, segueing from uploading those files, every now and then we do a make good when there is a classic open source utility that we depend mm-hmm. on for production that we have failed yeah. to actually give airtime to, even though a lot of cases people out there know it, but there could be some noobs yeah. watching that don't know about this utility that... Try as much, and I'll be honest, I've tried to replace it, but I always come back to it. And you used it this week to upload the footage. What is it, Noah?
1: FileZilla, and FileZilla, what it is is it's a graphical FTP, uh, SFTP uh, file client, essentially. And But the thing that makes uh, FileZilla nice is I can open up in Nautilus and I can transfer files back and forth. I can certainly do it from the command line, <clears throat> but FileZilla allows me to automate a lot of this stuff. So I can save the Jupyter Broadcasting FTP server, you know, the one that I spun up in 17 seconds or 20 seconds and had working in under a minute, that one. I can save that information inside of FileZilla, and then what I'm able to do is uh, I can just click on the the connection it establishes it up to the server and then I have a folder where I have stored all of the self interviews and I have a folder on the remote side where I would like Chris to pull them from and I just click on a button and it moves everything over automatically and I can replicate that process again. so I put more interviews fill up the drive and I click on it and it yeah. dumps them all over to that other folder yeah. again um, and so and and again that's that's again that's one of those tools that because it's free and open source it was in the repo I was able to install it and I was able to get it up and running and usable in ten minutes
0: yeah. Yeah, FileZilla, I mean, it's it's a go-to. I think that probably most of our audience is probably pretty aware of. Uh, it's, yeah. it's kind of famous. Uh, but it is it is one that we sort of shamefully have not given uh, any attention on. I mean, of course, there's others like Vi or Vim. Right. Or, you know, yes. Nano or whatever. I mean, like, we're someday, not going to go crazy. Someday. But, yeah.
1: Maybe when we do our, our retro Linux laptop, we can look at Vi. Don't, 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 don't oh, give it away. Oh, did don't I, I it say it that out loud? Did, don't, that,
0: don't did that go over the internet? Alright, so uh, if you want to uh, look at our past picks Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com Slash last picks If you'd like to meet up with Noah or the crew When they're out at live events Go to jupiterbroadcast Or nope, meetup.com Slash jupiterbroadcasting For all of that And if you'd like to submit any picks Or like a great Linux desktop application Or an awesome distro that doesn't get enough attention LinuxActionShow.reddit.com Alright Noah, with the picks all done Let's do the news <laughs> Hey, it's the news, and this episode is brought to you by com. Go to com. Won't you please go to com? Look, you've got a couple of more weeks uh, till the end of June to get $50 off your first Ting device or a $50 Ting service card if you bring a Ting-compatible device when you go to last.ting.com. Also though, you support the Linux Action Show and you let them know, hey Ting, thank you very much for keeping Last on the air and for your longtime support. We're still listening and we still appreciate you. Last.ting.com. Go there and dig around. Look at some of the great devices Ting offers. And when you're looking at these great devices, like that $9 SIM card, CDMA or GSM, or the $77 LG Optimus Elite, keep in mind how Ting works. No contracts. You only pay for what you use. Ting takes your minutes, your messages, your megabytes, they add them up whatever bucket you fall into at the end of the month. That's all you got to pay. It's a flat $6 for the line plus any taxes on top of that, but that's not bad, right? $6. $6. If you got a if you got a MiFi hotspot from Ting, it's 6 it's a $6 hotspot after you buy it cuz you buy the device outright, there's no contract and it's $6 just to have data. And the best part is Ting has a crazy cool dashboard where you can just turn devices on and off. We don't even have to pay for them, which is if you're just not going to use them for a while, then turn it off. They've got the first gen Moto, uh, Moto G on there. They've also got the Moto G2 on here. Of course, they've got the Moto E. they got the Netgear Zing with the OLED touchscreen that gives you all of the information right on there. Six dollar hotspot once you buy it outright. Of course, they got the iPhone. they got the latest Nexus. they got the OnePlus, the HTC One M8, the Moto X second gen, which is a great phone. You can buy that off contract and own it. And then the Cadillac. The Samsung Galaxy S6. Just added on Ting, no contract, only pay for what you use. You own that phone outright, just like if you buy a laptop, it's yours. That's very cool. Go to last.ting.com right now. Take advantage also of Ting's no-hold customer service. You can call them at 1-855-TING-FTW anytime between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. on the weekday, and a real human being will answer the phone. In fact, I think they've maybe even recently expanded their hours. You might want to double-check on their website. I always use their website to be honest with you, even though they have no whole customer service. They have like the best online community. They have a subreddit. They have like uh they have a whole discussion thread. that You can go take advantage. Like I've been in there getting like tips on Firefox OS on on the Ting network before. Like it just blows my mind that they're and they let it's all it's all on there. They let they let all the discussion happen and they're also super hip to the best Android app. So Kyra's here with her app pick Looking of the week. Looking
3: for a fresh take on the original snake. I'm Kyra and this is the Ting app of the week. Take it, Kyra. Snake Rewind brings an updated look and feel to a classic mobile memory that right. is the same core gameplay you know and love and adds some new features to keep things fresh.
0: Eat oh, super look at tasty this. snake
3: fruit and stay alive, no just way. like back in the day. As the game progresses, you'll speed up and get longer, making it harder to control. New items on the playing field give you bonus points and extra fruit. If you accidentally hit a wall or eat yourself, you can use the new rewind mechanic to go back in time and try again. The was... There are ten unique levels, which can be unlocked through completing missions or spending fruit. And just to note, you can choose between two distinct control schemes, depending on whether you'd rather tap or swipe Love to move it. the snake. You can even compete online, link up with Facebook, no and share way. your stats with friends. No way. While Snake Rewind includes in-app purchases. You'll do just fine without paying a cent. The original overhaul is free-to-play and is available for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone. That's great. Thanks for watching, and make sure to subscribe for more app reviews, unboxings, and more.
0: Last.ting.com. Go there, won't you? Support this show. Get a no-contract mobile device on CDMA or GSM, which is awesome, especially for some of the newer devices where you can switch between them. So when you go to an event like Noah does, you can just pick whichever network's going to be better and set the phone up. I love that. Last.ting.com. Big thank you to Ting for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. Okay. Noah. So they
1: actually, they actually. Uh, the, I have had Ting service the entire time I've been here. It hasn't dropped out. Nice. One of the other things I have upgraded my Bat phone. So I have my credit card one with oh, yeah. me, but I also have this one, and this is a quad band GSM phone, a tri band CDMA. I believe. No, cool. So, yeah. So it's a, it's a tiny little Samsung phone, and what it does that. is I have. Right now, I have it on the GSM Ting network because, of course, that's easiest for me to just swap the SIM card. Um, but it does have, I believe, it does have CDMA capability as well. So I, my thought is, I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a a, a Ting CDMA card in it, so I'll just, it'll always be active. <clears throat> and then, if I ever need to, you know, if I'm ever out of the country, and I want to have cell phone service, I can put just a GSM SIM rented one in there, yeah. and then. I'll have my I'll have uh, yeah. a world phone, yeah. and that's uh, cool. Micro
0: USB charging, and you know it's a dumb phone. It's not very you know. Uh, it's a bad smart, phone, but and and yep, you know cool. and then yep. and since uh, you know there's no contracts, not a big deal. To just pop that on there, and the dashboard makes it crazy easy. I, last dot yep. Noah, let's talk about the new release of Mate Mate one dot o one dot one o one dot ten 1.10, 1.10 is out, <laughs> and uh, it's. Probably the big thing for me is it's rocking early support for GTK3. Now, they're still calling it experimental, but if you're an Arch or Fedora user, there's already experimental builds of Matei using GTK3, uh, which is nice. Uh, theme support has been expanded to GTK3.8 and 3.16, including client-side decorations and popover support. So some of the latest and greatest in GTK theming will be coming to the Mate desktop environment. Still a light, lean desktop. So and I'm not I'm not a huge Mate user, but I know Noah you're kind of a big mate user or Mate user. What do you think? You following this? Yeah.
1: So when, uh, when they originally re- released Matei, I was like, la-di-da, you know? It, just, it, didn't, it didn't really strike me as... like yeah. We have so many lightweight desktops, <clears throat> it just didn't really strike me as anything amazing. And then when I kind of found out they were kind of trying to target the uh, continuation of GNOME 2, I thought, well, that's silly because now I like GNOME 3, so what the heck would I go back to GNOME 2 for? It just didn't make any sense to me. And then I had these... Uh, they were old IBM Think Centers. Uh, they were Pentium 4 boxes with 512 megs of RAM. And I remember taking one off off of a shelf, and I thought, I need a lightweight de- desktop I can put on here. I all I needed to do, I, I remember what it was. It was I was working with a, a place, and we just needed to play uh, background music over an overhead uh, speaker yeah, system. So all enough. I needed to do is run VLC with with some MP3s. And so I, I took it out and I thought, I wonder, what do I have laying around? So I looked and the only thing I had had was the, my Ubuntu Mate, uh, I think at the time. Yeah, 40, it was 1404 actually. And I took it and I plugged it in. And that machine was so fast, Chris, that I sat, I looked at it and I went, I sat back and I went, huh, I could use this. I could use this as a desktop. I could browse the internet on it. I could check my email. This is a usable experience. Yeah. On a computer that is 10 years old. Yeah old mm-hmm. um and so and and then from then on i have i have really paid attention to Matei, and i've installed i've installed arch with Matei, i've mm-hmm. done ubuntu Matei.
0: yeah for me enough, it, it got a lot better i it clicked me it clicked for me a lot more for some reason uh when mint shipped a, a mint Matei version it just didn't click but when wimpy and team came out with uh, ubuntu yes. Matei edition uh, based on a, an ubuntu lts Mm-hmm. That the combination of a uh, LTS based distro with a super low resources desktop, like it for production and like scientific workloads, anything where you have a lot of CPU demand and demanding tasks, but you actually still need a GUI for yes. some reason. Man, right. all of a sudden, did it click for me when I saw it in that configuration? Yeah. And now I'm following right. it a lot more closely because I just, it opened up a whole work case for me that I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I got the low end stuff because I used <laughs> to deploy low end computers for schools. Like, I get that. Mm-hmm. I'm not, it's not, but it so, doesn't personally relate to me. Like, once Ubuntu Mate Edition came out for some reason, then all of a sudden it became a lot more relevant to me. Right. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about maybe I have a super powerful computer. There's
1: still a place for Ubuntu Mate, And let me explain why. When I am doing the, this production rig, this is by no means a unpowerful computer. It more than has the resources to run GNOME 3, more than has the resources sure. uh, to, to run Ubuntu uh, Unity if I wanted to. But... The com- it, th- this is essentially an appliance. I'm using it to open up OBS and then from there I'm doing everything inside OBS. So really, I don't want to bump the corner and have my icons, ca- the whole desktop cascade. I don't want to have a gigantic launcher bar along the side of my desktop because I don't need those things. And I certainly don't need any sort of 3D acceleration. All I want is simple menus that I can I can launch, the one or two programs I need to launch on the production rig and then I want the OS to get out of my way. It's almost as if I want it to be as close to a tiling window manager without having entirely window manager because i still want to be able to uh quickly uh launch things and uh, you know arbitrarily position uh, windows
0: and resize windows for capture and
1: Right, exactly. But I can do all that from a TAN, and it is highly optimized, and exactly what you're talking about. I get the advantage of of a lower resource operating system, and at the same time, I think that it's much, much more usable, and granted it's somewhat of an esoteric use case, right? Like There's probably not a lot of people that want a very powerful machine with a very lightweight desktop, so they can do very minimal things on that very powerful desktop. I I admit that that's that's rare, but when you need something like that,
0: it's amazing. Oh, uh, hold on, Noah. Um, Man, what's this? Oh. Sorry, I just stepped in a little XFCE there. So.
4: Oh, i got to wipe that off.
0: It, d- yeah, yeah. It, is, it, that. Is, does the rat smell? No, it's No, I, I, I think it's alive.
1: I Yeah. You think that rat is alive? I think so. Uh, okay, cuz everyone I've ever installed XFCE has always asked me what the dead rat on their screen is doing. So
0: yeah, I just wonder. It is a weird branding it, choice, I'll grant you that. Strange, so, uh, maybe those people might prefer Ubuntu's Unity 8. Well, guess what? For them, we have an update. Uh, uh, that's right. Uh, Unity Eight uh, and On uh, Mir are under development still. Now, are you ready for this? You want to hear some of these I updates? Am. We got an email that came in, and Softpedia is uh, posting this. Numerous new features, according to Kevin Gunn, who uh, works on it. Uh, so here's what's. Let's start with uh, Mir, and then I'll tell you what's new in Unity. So the Mirror Display Server has received a semantic buffer change that'll make it uh, mm-hmm. a nest, that'll make nested bypasses easier. Actually here's what I do know is it means like they have now a functional screen rotation and also mm-hmm. uh, they have built in the ability better to communicate with the desktop environment when applications hang. That seems like a pretty nice thing. also a lot of work involved in detecting uh, uh, like menus and end-to-end input and render testing so that seems like it's pretty good. some security related improvements mm-hmm. went into Mir, including now Mir snap packages. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Which we're going to have uh, more about yes. that in our interviews in a little bit. Uh, and also, the launcher feature parity items have been finalized in Unity 8, moving to Unity 8 now. Uh, more improvements landed in the notifications and uh, download animations, and also uh, the greeter has been slimmed up. And a light lib DM library has bought, been uh, multi-user support. Hmm. So basically slow and steady improvements, stuff that is going to be kind of necessary. Like, I like uh, support for hung application detecting. I'm liking mm-hmm. the fact that they uh, they say also they've finalized the multimedia scope playback and improved social networking features and scopes. I mean, all these mm-hmm. things are going to be very compelling, and I think you'll, you'll when you hear the interviews, uh, like especially I one coming up with Michael Holland a little bit, uh, so it'll put some of that stuff into context uh, when we talk about it. So that's why it's useful to know. Yes. And we don't really cover it a lot here in the show because neither one of us are running these technologies at the moment, so it's hard for us to kind of keep right. our, our, hand, our eye on it. But uh, I'm glad that uh, I think it's a good I, a congrac- I congratulate Canonical for, for pushing on. You know? I'm curious to see. I'm starting to see more and more where they're going. Like, uh, you guys had a really cool discussion about the terminal application in Ubuntu Touch. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And just right there, when you hear what they're doing, they are like, okay, that actually gets me kind of excited. And it's just a terminal app. So,
1: it that, does because it's it is if in that particular case what you're talking about is it is a smartphone from a Linux perspective. Yeah. And since I come from a Linux perspective and use a smartphone as a compromise, I can really get behind a company that says that says this is how we do Linux. How can we make a good experience on a smartphone? That's a far better that that to me makes a lot more sense than a company who says we're going to make a smartphone and how can we make it do the things that Linux does.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well put. Uh, and so uh, from and so uh, we'll have more of that in just a moment in the uh, interview. Now uh, this is the last news story because we got so much stuff to get into self, but this one probably isn't too surprising to you. Uh, HP announces they're killing the machine and repurposing the design. So last year, HP announced it was building the machine. A computer meant to leap as far above conventional modern systems, way beyond beyond Xeon, way beyond the IBM mainframe. The entire system was designed to work with special-purpose cores, each core working on a task and mem-resistors as a universal memory architecture. People are really excited about the universal memory architecture. The entire system would be tied together through extensive use of or photonics, I guess. Photonics, oh, light photonics. It was a bold, ambitious, and cutting edge, but now, now, dead. They are going to totally build up a custom Linux around it, too, uh, and uh, it was all very neat. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, the chief technology officer said that the machine is uh, going to have to be instead based on more conventional technology, and instead of a special-purpose OS dubbed Linux++, which is what caught our attention, it's simply just going to run regular Linux. So there you go. It's good. Didn't you recently have like a big inspirational speech about HP for me? <sighs> Didn't you
1: recently? I did. I, I I recently gave two inspirational speeches. The first inspirational fe- uh, speech was that. HP has told me numerous times off the record about all the cool things that they're doing internally to support Linux. Um, <clears throat> and then I gave another thing uh, in that uh, we had, a, I think we covered a news story. Was it, I think it was even last week or maybe the week before, about how HP, when they do their split, is going to make open source a huge priority.
0: Yes, right. And you've gotten some inside track stuff that you can't fully share, but leaves you... Yeah. Feeling very positive. It, it, about I have.
1: I. I. I will tell you this. Yeah, he didn't want to go on the camera and talk about it, and so I. I don't want to repeat exactly what it was, but here's what I. Here's what I'll say. It suffices to say that HP internally likes Linux and supports Linux on the desktop far more than anyone could ever imagine. They just aren't public about it, and I don't know why. And I don't know why nobody wants to talk about it because I don't see how that could possibly be negative. Um, but he, uh, here, I heard it straight from uh, upper level people from HP at. Uh, I believe it was LinuxCon two years ago.
0: There you go. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll take your word for it. So, Noah, uh, this is a little bit of a different show because some of the news we have this week is actually in the interviews themselves. So, as far as the actual official news segment goes, that's all the news for this week. Let's go to the interviews.
1: We're here at Southeast Linux Fest 2015, and I was a little concerned when we got here that it wouldn't be quite as cool as it was last year. I'm pleasantly surprised to tell you it was way cooler than it was last year. There is There are more people here. Uh, attendance is up. Speakers are better than ever. Uh, speakers last year that gave one presentation are now giving two and three, uh, and that was super popular. And we're going to show you that and more coming up in a little bit. But first, let's thank System76.
0: System76.com, creators of machines born, created designed to run Linux, like this brand new Serval workstation. I think it's actually a little bit smaller than the Bonobo, and you can get it in 15 and 17 inches, and it is a desktop devastator. System 76 is going after the scientific and high-end computing market like a machine, because they see this as being totally unaddressed, and, of course, these machines run Linux. Look at that. The fastest Ubuntu laptop on the planet. GeForce or Quadro GPUs, PCI Express SSD, 15 or 17-inch display, and 32 gigabytes of RAM. In a laptop. I also love that. Look at that HDMI out and two display ports on the back. From a production standpoint, yes, please. This might be the Bonobo replacement. Two display ports out and an HDMI could be very, very handy for production. Uh, so you can go to System76 has desktops, laptops, and servers built to run Linux. They'll give you a lifetime support of the Ubuntu installation. And go over to system76.com, get a machine that is meant to work with Linux. That way you don't have to fight with funky hardware. When you do a distro reload, it's not a big, long process. When you want to experiment with a different distro and things like that. System76.com, tell them the Linux action show sent you. Now, I've got something really special I want to play. Uh, it was created with the opening of the Self live stream in mind, so it is video-centric, but if you're an audio listener, you're still going to enjoy the music that Noah put together. It's only about 40 seconds long, and it's a real treat for you video listeners, and watch closely, because you'll actually get a tour of the entire floor of Self and a peek at the production rig that Noah has built to make all of this possible. So we'll start with that clip right here. This is so epic, Noah. I loved this. This is a treat. I love the shots of the gear too. That's really great. So uh, that's yeah. uh, that was your opening to the stream, and that's a pretty sweet way to open the stream up. It was. Did you and
1: all of this gear, by the way, is being powered by Linux. And that video was cut together and put together on Linux. In fact, uh, my laptop was tied up at the moment, and so I actually borrowed a laptop, installed a distro, put Lightworks on it, dropped the video in, edited, uh, and 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 sent it out uh, in about 15 minutes. That's so, awesome. Uh, I- yeah, it
0: was fun. All done on Linux. So uh, let's start with uh, one of Noah's favorite interviews at uh, Self. We've got a whole bunch of them to get to, but let's start with one of Noah's favorite, uh, Eli. Eli is a fan of the Linux Action Show. I think Noah even had dinner with him last night and his family. And Eli has converted his family over to Linux, and he manages it all. But the thing that's great about Eli is that he's, uh, he's 15 years old. So uh, we'll play. Uh, that's our first uh, interview uh, this week.
4: Welcome.
1: Going around self you find some of the coolest community members and I have with us uh, one of the one of the coolest community members of the JB community Community uh, Eli's with me. How are you doing today Eli? Good. So you are a you are a fan of the show You've uh, you've you've started following the shows recently. Yep And uh, what what uh, what would you say your favorite show is?
5: Uh, Last.
1: Okay, so uh, uh, now hi. I I was talking to you and your dad and, and he was explaining that basically, you have become like the resident Linux guru of your house, right? Yep. So h- how has that been being able to uh, to support uh, to support uh, the rest of your family? And, and you didn't really have to convert them to Linux, right? Because they were, they were already kind of on board
5: with it? Well, um, <laughs> at first my mom didn't, um, was worried I'd mess something up on her <laughs> yeah. computer.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the way it goes. Right <laughs> they, yeah.
5: uh, they but then then eventually she kind of came
1: around. She's like, well, hey, listen, he knows what he's doing.
5: Yeah, and um She had a uh, Windows 8 laptop and the um, And the Wi-Fi kept going in and out and uh-huh. when we installed Linux it um it stopped doing that. Oh, yeah That's not good. So when you
1: w- so so when you inst Did you ha- run into problems with like the like the UEFI and the secure boot and all that stuff on Windows 8?
5: Yeah, um when we First, since I uh, tried Debian 8, mm-hmm. and um and I rebooted and it it didn't boot and um it, it sounded like um the we looked it up like mm-hmm. um and it said that uh there like was um Toshiba had like modified the firmware uh-huh. to um so it would only boot the like the Windows file. Um, Okay. So, and there was a fix where you could rename the, in the, in the boot, the boot partition to, um, like what it was expecting from Windows, and then it would
1: Oh, okay. So, you actually, you got it to boot with Secure Boot on, then?
5: Uh, well, no, um, I turned Secure Boot off in it. Okay. um, And then I installed it, and then, um, and then it still wouldn't boot, and then I had to rename the file.
1: Oh, that's awesome. And she's been happy with Linux ever since then? Uh-huh. Oh, that's great. That's, that's, that's really cool. So, what other things have, what do you run, uh, you run Linux on your laptop too then, right? Yeah. It's a desktop. Okay, uh, on your desktop. Yeah, my desktop. Yeah, and what distro? What distro did you choose to run on, on your desktop? Uh, for you said you chose Debian for your mother. How about yourself?
5: Right now, I'm using Arch. I just got into Arch Linux. How old are you? I'm 15. Jeez. you're 15 years old and you put you you, you managed to get Arch working.
1: I'm 29 years old and it took me three days to get Ar- to Arch on my laptop. How long did it take you?
5: Um, well, took me. First, I tried it out in a um, virtual box. Oh, okay. Uh And, uh-huh. um, and First I w- like I um like the guide that I found on the internet was only for uh, BIOS and not UEFI uh-huh. um, so and then I kind of researched it for a while and then I yeah. found a guide on um for UEFI and I uh, got to work and then slowly I got the programs figured out how to get the programs that I needed and so have you
1: followed our, our switching Angela to Linux on on her yoga uh-huh okay so that was a huge pain because I had to do the same thing I had to get uh, arch to work with UAFI uh-huh. and the back when it was on the MacBook and that was that was not an easy thing and you know Mac isn't even the normal UFI it's kind of like a screwed- up version of it uh-huh. so it was it was it was pretty tricky um, so do you see yourself sticking with Linux uh, you know indefinitely or do you think when you when you get out of school and go into the workforce you, you're, you think you might go back to Windows or, or the Mac
5: I think I'm going to stick with Linux as long as I can. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. That's great to hear. And uh, at, 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 if if you're at the point where you're installing Arch at 15 years old, I can't I can't wait to see what happens when you're 25 years old. Would you ever consider joining us for Linux Unplugged?
5: Yeah. Okay. Have Have you ever done it before? You've listened to the program at least, right? I've um, I've listened to it be- before, but um, I haven't um. Uh, figured out how to get IRC working yet? Oh, really? Do you have? Oh, you know, it's a
1: it's a desktop. That's right. Um, well, I tell you what. Uh, I will. You have my card still, right? Uh huh. Okay, great. Well, if you send me an email, I'd be more than happy to 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 give you step by step instructions to get IRC working because we'd love to have you in the chat room. And of course, you can always go over to Jupiter or uh, sorry, JB and uh, scroll down a little bit, and the chat room's right there. You pick your screen name and you sign right in. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on the program. We really
0: appreciate having you. And that's great. Come on, Noah. You feel a little kinship there, don't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Not, not to mention, like, <clears throat> you want to talk about nice people, like nice community people. Him and his dad were kind enough to take me out for dinner. So we went to the, uh, we went to the, uh, the, well, we went to the hotel restaurant, I guess. Um, but, uh, but you know, how, you know what, you know what it's like, right? When you're at conferences or when you're away from home, eating by yourself. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it totally holds. that. As it turns out, there were a couple other people that joined us. But, um, but it, it, it's, it's the idea that you know they saw and they're like, hey, you know, would you like to have dinner with us? Yeah, so, it's nice. Uh, yeah, super nice people. And what's yeah. great was uh, while we were there, uh, producer q 5 sis and. And Blaster and Sub Zero were able to help him get set up in the IRC right there yeah. at the restaurant. <laughs> nice. So he's so he so he's actually there, and it was funny because like he's 15 years old and he's absorbing this technology. And I think Dad was trying to kind of figure out what's going on, how is this going? Um, and at the same time, he's we're, you know we're getting them registered, uh, we're getting Nick registered. They're getting him all sorts of weird privileges up and down the the IRC. And then they're trying to get a certificate for Mumble, and uh, yeah. that's kind of when I stepped out. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. super nice kid and a great interview.
0: You know, uh, one of the things that uh, is very true when you go to a conference like this is you have some of your best conversations after the event, right? So like you go to dinner, you have a good conversation, you're in the hallway, you have a really good conversation. Uh, Well, uh, that's definitely true with our next interview. Um, Heather Hall was somebody that uh, Noah and Producer Q5SYS met last year went out to dinner with and was like man you are a fascinating Linux user we would love to talk to you well this year we got a chance to sit down with Heather Uh, I believe she has like a a PhD in animal genealogy or something like that Yep. does it all under Linux and uh, has been a Slackware user forever Uh, it's it's a fascinating interview it's a great chat uh, with Heather and uh, that's our next one
1: Welcome. So, first off, uh, I know we met last year, but I totally forgot your name, I'm really sorry. Oh, 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 there we go, okay, (laughs) alright.
6: Uh, that's not a problem. My name's Heather Hall. Also, I go by Rayla on IRC. So.
1: Rayla in the IRC. All right. Now, um, are you in? Are you in uh, Geek Shed? Are you in FreeNode?
6: Or- FreeNode.
1: Okay. All right. So here is my question. I remember standing around, uh, and, and it was you in Q5sys, and we were standing around. You were telling me about your work. And I, you have a, what, what is it? You have a PhD in again?
6: It's actually in animal science.
1: Animal science, right? And uh, and you study? Uh, is it genomes? Yes.
6: Yeah, so specifically horse genetics. And then recently in the past year, also the Arabian oryx and the Arabian camel. Okay. Uh, the idea there is comparative genomics of species that are adapted to deserts. But the other part about it is that uh, I'm sort of on the bioinformatics side as well. So it's analyzing these large genomic data sets using computers, Linux, preferably.
1: Right, right. And so that, and then that's kind of what I, that's what I was going to lead into. Is uh, so when you search for software and you search for an operating system that that can do these calculations. Uh, while why Linux over macOS or Windows? Uh.
6: Uh, well, initially when this was coming out, the sequencing technologies were really taking off. It was the open source community, probably the academic open source community that was uh-huh. really developing the tools to analyze them. I mean Each sequencer had their own proprietary software as well, but right. the community was really the big one about it. Yeah. So, initially there wasn't any for Windows. Now if there are software well there are some softwares for Windows, but you would have to, one, have a Windows computer strong enough to run it, and two, pay a couple thousand for software
1: right and, and so and and, the, and this this powerful software you're saying is available as free and open source software on the Linux platform
6: yeah and in fact anyone if they wanted to could just go and download a human genome or any sort of data set that's out there download these tools <laughs> and just analyze DNA for the fun of it it's all out in public databases Heaven's
1: revenge in our chat room would like to know what the what what's the average file size for, for a uh, animal genome?
6: So if we're just talking about the reference sequence itself, that would maybe like 2 to 2.8 gigabytes. Okay. And that's just the sequence. Now, if you're talking about a project where you're sequencing an animal itself, not the reference, that's going to be several gigabytes. Uh, One sequencing, the most common platform is the Illumina platform. Okay. One run of that provides about two terabytes of data, image data that's then transferred, translated into sequence. Luckily, it compresses really well. And uh-huh. a lot of the tools work with compressed text. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of the scale of things.
1: Now you started on Slackware, is that right? Correct. Okay. And and uh, do you do you continue to use Slackware for for these kinds of things, or have you moved on to like uh, Red Hat or Scientific Linux? And- I-
6: Initially, actually, tried uh, when I was building a lab computer. I tried using Santos, and I had okay. it installed, and I did not enjoy it at all. Okay. And then it was recommended. Why don't you try Ubuntu? And it could not detect the hard drive, oh, which was ridiculous. So I
1: think uh, they fixed that now. I think the, I think Ubuntu now detects hard drives.
6: I, I hope so. Yeah. I just stuck with Slackware since that's what I was used to. Most recently, we've actually moved to using the supercomputing cluster at the University of Florida. Oh, okay. So, I'm not quite sure which distro they use, but it's all cluster-based stuff. Right. So my right. hands aren't on the machines as much.
1: Yeah, sure. So, so essentially, when you say that it's it's cluster-based, are you saying that like there's a like a web UI and you drop your files in and it goes back up to that cluster gets processed and then comes back down or uh,
6: two options there. So there is an open source system that tries to streamline bioinformatics for biologists called Galaxy where uh-huh. there is a web interface. Now, also I have SSH access. I can SCP files. Um, oh, it's really? Running a, it's some kind of batch system. I'm not entirely in- sure of the specifics myself except that I have to use the QSub command to run it on a PBS cluster maybe and set options like how long it's allowed to run before it kills it and then get angry because I didn't know on
1: So I take it it's probably highly beneficial to you to run Linux on your laptop then. Um, or or desktop, whatever you have. Well-
6: Yes, I've ran Linux on my laptop since 2004. Uh-huh. It's been my main operating system of choice
1: But so uh, you say for fun But like if you want to move these if you want to SCP this file up Then you have to have Linux on the on the client side, right? No,
6: uh, there's one SCP. Oh, okay It works just as well.
1: Okay, all So right.
6: the lab computer I use now for work for the most part is the Windows machine Just because it needs to interface with various University of Florida other sort of thing. Sure they, uh, Maybe
1: they have it like on a domain or something.
6: Yeah, yeah, so access all the group files that are shared and have to use Outlook for email because reasons and
1: yeah. <laughs> because reasons that's that's good that's um, so uh, is there is there, are there any other exciting things that are happening with the slackware project that you're aware of
6: uh, exciting I mean I, I feel
1: exciting like in the realm of slackers <laughs>
6: I mean I think slackware has been pretty nice in that it's you, you get you get like it's yep, yep. nothing unexpected really comes out at least not that I've seen. Yeah. So, I would say it's exciting that it's still around. I still enjoy yeah. seeing it, but I don't think there's any, been any radical changes that I'm aware of.
1: And so, some people have called Slackware like the the original Linux or the most true Linux. And I'm interested what your opinion on that is, if any
6: most true, because I mean, I feel like Linux itself, it's just whatever flavor you're into, all the different yeah, distributions yeah. that's around, but it is the longest, at this time, the longest maintained, right? So, sure. whether you would call that original, maybe not, mm-hmm. but maybe closest to the original.
1: Uh, yeah, and I guess uh, I suppose what people are referring to, right, is this idea that there aren't other tools wrapped around it that make it, that, that stray too far from just the GNU tools and the kernel, the kernel. So, like, vanilla? Right, variety. yeah, as, van- as, as unmodified as, as you can get. I mean, because really, if you think about it, when we say, when we talk about Linux, there really is no such thing as Linux. I mean, Linux is just a kernel, right? Yeah. So that's useless without something else. So you keep that something else as small and as original as vanilla as possible, I guess, is what they would say.
6: Yeah, and that's great. I mean, I'm big on doing command line things. There was even sure. a while I broke my X install, and so for over a Uh-oh. month I was just using command line, because why not?
1: Oh no! All right. Well, thank you so much for taking time to sit, to sit down and talk with us. It's, it's, I, I remember having interesting conversations. I just didn't know exactly how to reiterate them. So I'm like, hey, maybe we just get her over here and ask. Have you have you had, have you you read into Q5Sys all uh, this trip? Uh,
6: yeah, because his booth is actually right across from the Slacker. I'm not sure if you've seen our Slackware booth here, or I should say booth. Uh, we have a nice comfy couch and two chairs around a coffee table. Mm-hmm. And um, the Devon IT has provided a box that we now have Slackware installed. If anyone wants I to
1: did see. That. I did see that it's on the co- it's on the coffee table in front yeah, of the couch. Yeah, the okay somewhere. I didn't realize that was actually a booth.
6: Yeah, it's, okay They're slackers, so you know perfect Yeah, for that. so yeah, he's yes. across from that so I'm chatting with to his laptop talk
1: does this slackware computer that, that he provided you Does it have a GUI?
6: It actually does have a GUI installed because the you know by default now of course the installer will put it on there, right? But.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks again for for uh, sitting down with us. We really appreciate
0: it. Yep, not a problem. Hmm. Slackware users are all over that place, No, What's with, uh, Southeast Linux Fest and Slackware? I don't know. I, I think that I think that there are a lot of the really
1: key people, like Alan Hicks, uh, who contributed to the book that 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 uh, that documented Slackware, um, and and a lot of the people that are here. Um, Chuck has left, but uh, he was here earlier today, and <clears throat> he was one of the founding people um, that were around when Slackware was 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 developed. So they've all been there through the transition of Slackware, and now it's gotten to a point where it's like a rite of passage, hmm. and they don't want to
0: leave. it. So yeah, uh, yeah of course, big, big Slackware community here, now, and super
1: super super authentic guys.
0: It's uh, what what time is it there on a Sunday right now? You're the last was 2 of the o'clock fetus. on Sunday. Two yeah, o'clock, the fest technically
1: got over, I think, at 1, I believe.
0: So it's starting to clear out there. People are starting to leave now. And... Yeah. Well, we'll wind down. Uh, we'll have one more interview to play. Uh, and, and now, of course, we've got a lot more interviews we'll feature in Linux Unplugged this week and more. But, uh, Noah, you seem to really kick it off with Brian Smith. And he sat down with you and explained his core values, what he thinks matters mm-hmm. in open source, and how to make it approachable. And uh, I really enjoyed this conversation you two had. So here's Brian.
1: Welcome. We had, I had the good fortune uh, to uh, to run into Brian, uh, the program director for FaucetCon. And uh, he was explaining to me uh, some of his core values and what he believes is really important in the Linux community and the free open source community at large. Um, he's a guy that has is really made a, a strong commitment to it. And thank you so much for taking the time to sit down uh, for an interview. I really appreciate it. How have you been?
4: I've been great. How about you, buddy?
1: I'm doing all right. What do you think of the conference so far?
4: Well, it's a great event, uh, actually since Southeast Linux Fest is uh, the first inception. I've been to every single one. Really? Yes, every single Southeast Linux Fest. Yeah.
1: So you and I were having a conversation last night about open source and the concept of community and the concept of, of, of Linux on the desktop. We kind of found that like we clicked on that and that was just, that was one of those things that you and I really agreed on. Um, tell me a little bit about FaucetCon.
4: Well, so FaucetCon is, uh, stands for the uh, Free and Open Source Software and Technology Conference. Um, it's not a Linux conference, it's not a BSD conference, it's a conference for all things free and open source. Uh, This year will be our second annual, Uh Um, it's uh, being held November the 19th through the 21st in Orlando, Florida, beautiful Mm -hmm. Orlando, Florida. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're a three day event, uh, and it's a community event. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a huge conference. It's not, you know, um, it, it, it's only our second year. And so we're, we're hoping to grow. We're hoping to grow with the community and, uh, bring, we're, we're the only, we're the only event of the such in Florida. There's yeah. no event that has a focus on free and open source, uh, besides us. So, you know,
1: what well, actually really in the country, because, so there is OSCON, which is supposedly open source conference. However, you will not find a whole lot of open source software at OSCON. In fact, really, you won't find any open source operating systems at OSCON.
4: Okay, so, I speak at OSCON on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I'll be speaking this year, too. And OSCON is a huge conference. It is a huge conference. And, you know, it's it's, it's an O'Reilly event, and uh, it stands for Open Source Conference. They, you know, I... You know, Fosicon literally says free and open source. Yeah. So so that's where, where we we we, yes. we feel we have to say free. Yep. Yep. You know, because uh, free software is where it all started. Yes. And so what you know, in just focusing on open source, then then I believe that a lot of the core yeah. can be lost. It's not saying that, that that's what ASCON does because mm-hmm. you know, I've been quite a lot and I, I enjoy myself there. Right. Um but what we want to do from the grassroots point is to start off and have that message and and not leave that out you right? Know, in, in in the title in our messaging you know period
1: yeah you know it, 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 i i i i wonder what do you think what do you think the effect on the community is when you when you you know as compared to uh, to Oscon compared to a conference like Oscon compared to FaucetCon?
4: well so what's what's awesome about having a new event so so oscon is like it's humongous like they Mm -hmm. do well over six thousand people yeah and so they've got a a very wide range uh people come in from all over the world oh sure and but we've actually had people come to foster from from uh from poland Mm -hmm. russia uh we had one individual come up and do a bsda certification from costa rica wow from costa rica and great thing we we um (laughs) Because it, it was it was part of our goal. We said, uh-huh. if any, we had a challenge. Anyone who wants to take the certification, we'll reimburse them. Yeah. And so we pay for his certification.
1: So with us... With man, talk the, about putting your money where your mouth is. That yeah, that's, that's quite the commitment.
4: Yeah, hey, man. Uh, you know, we... In order for... And even on our flyer, it says BSD-friendly. Mm-hmm. So because, you know, we want to make it a, a yeah. place where everyone can show up and share their yep. ideas. Yep. Now, where, where yeah. we have some power is that... Being a new event mm-hmm. and being you know, in an area where there were no where, where there haven't been any previous events for like five years, yeah. uh, we have a situation where with our messaging from the start, we are we're trying to infuse back in the community free software. Yeah. In relation, it will in you know at the same time with open source because yeah. you know uh, we are we share a lot of the same community we share a lot of the same values. Yeah. It's a thing of where at we we feel that, that we're in a better off position. Uh, mm-hmm. actually using the verbiage and and paying homage yeah. to where we started so to start up an event yeah. and to infuse that in a community it's just like if you go to, to uh to cambridge yeah everybody says free software mm-hmm. everybody like yeah. like yeah. most people say gnu slash linux or yeah GNU yeah, yeah. Linux, <laughs> yeah uh-huh. period because you know that is that is actually where it all happened right you right. know so and so in order for us to in, you know like. A, It's awesome for us to have the the opportunity to start an event and to be able to infuse that and then to have people that can go out into the world and, and they will still keep some of those core values of free software.
1: Tell me where you kind of where you developed a- and honed your uh, your your ideals and values for open source and 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 the community. I'm just I'm wondering how somebody like you gets as entrenched as you are and as committed as you are because it, it's not. I mean here it's all over the place. I could pick I, I could pick five people and sit them down and they'd probably all we'd probably all be similarly on the same page. But I go to other conferences and you don't find that. I mean, there, there's there there are not that many people that are, are committed. And I remember when you were walking away, uh, you say I, I don't recall the words you. Used, but you said something to the effect of, uh, of it, it, it's it's it, it is it's it's good to meet somebody that is. And I, I don't, do you remember the words you used? Uh. I don't remember. Yeah, that. you you said so. You put it very succinctly, and I was really impressed. But uh, how did how did that how did that mold? How did that come to be?
4: Well, so it was as simple as me sitting down in front of a system mm-hmm. that that I knew I inherited. Mm-hmm. You know that like the every every day that I actually like I make money from this stuff. Yeah, you know I. I empower people with this, with these yeah. things. You yeah. have you have whole communities, governments that are run with the software. Right. So, so it was something that 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 was paid forward to me. It was all I had to do was recognize it. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't, you know, I was taught the minute that I downloaded the ISO. Yeah. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it was a thing of where uh, all I did was just uh, recognize the opportunity that was mm-hmm. before me and 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 I felt like like, wow, like they bequeathed this thing to me, yeah like yeah, this yeah. Is, this is a major undertaking, yeah, and so I started to educate myself on how this thing came to be because it is rare like mm-hmm. th- like the whole concept was rare uh, you know to get free software free as and Libre. Yeah. not yes. just gratis free, but guess what it's also free yeah yeah you know and and so the the fact that that I could, have access to enterprise-level tools and systems without having to spend the money. Yeah. The fact that I could do development and I had a a, a I had an actual compiler, I had an IDE yeah. that yeah. I didn't need to pay for, you know, in order to make money mm-hmm. was major. You know, it, it was now of course, you know, you got to learn how to use this, you know, right. but but the fact that it was there available mm-hmm. for me, I said, wow, like like people were like in developing countries like this is a major thing so you know and then i started looking at the i started looking back and seeing where this came from and so there's really like free software was born from like like i call it software hippies yeah that's yeah, yeah that's are. right that's so, right yeah because it was born from that era yeah that that's that's where it where it all comes from all of the developers before they shared their software yeah that's why you know uh stallman you know wrote the song you know join us now and share the software yeah, yeah. you'll be free hackers You'll be free, right? You know, uh, it's a uh, it's important for me. Like, like that is that is where all of the the um, like like all of the ingenuity comes from is is you being able to scrutinize and and you know like. To be able to look at the code, yeah, like I mean, yeah. that, that that is major. So mm-hmm. you know, I, like I said, I I got it from what was given to me, what yeah. was available,
1: and that is a humble way to look at things, right? Like I think there's so many people, and th- this is a huge problem in the community is that when something is given to somebody, then they come to expect it. And so when Mozilla, for example, had to introduce uh, these pre-populated um, tiles inside of their tabs so that they could simply make some money because of the the contract that they lost with Google, everyone freaked yeah. out. And it's like, listen, that is a free web browser you're using by the way, which is funded by a corporation that would, or a a foundation that would like to make some money at least to pay the bills, keep the electricity on, right? And so this concept that they owe you a web browser and they're not, they can't even, you know what I mean? And (laughs) and so you have, you have a very, very, very humble and pragmatic way of looking at it and saying, listen, this was given to me, so now I want to give back. And, you know, I said this earlier on the stream too, I said, in order to be a good community member, I feel like it's really important that we have to give just a little bit more than we take. And if we can do that, if you can master that, and not just maybe in, in, in open source and Linux, just in life in general. If we can do that, you know, we literally start to improve, you know, prove the world just a little bit at a time.
4: You, you know, it's funny, uh, Like I've got a saying that uh, there's no such thing as free gas. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, that's right. no matter where you go, mm-hmm. it, when it's time to, to fill up, yeah. you're going to pay. That's there's right. no haggling on the price. Yep. There's no questions asked. Mm-hmm. You swipe the card, give the cash, you pump, and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's time to go. Um, Like, like people expecting... To get everything free, uh-huh. and you know, it's it's a thing of where Mozilla is a big company. Mozilla is yes. a great company. Yeah, yeah I agree. All of the work that they've done, uh-huh. you know, and 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 what they've given, what they've given to the community, uh, you know, that should be applauded. It should. And 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 at the same time, like like we definitely need to understand that that. In order for, like, in order for them to grow. In, mm-hmm. order, for, in, uh, in order for them to exist to make the free route. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is that, yeah, just because it's available to the community doesn't mean that the community is going to completely adopt it. Yes. So if, yeah. if the Mozilla Foundation weren't there... Yeah. What would the development on the browser look like?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, and look at how many open source projects that we have that have not taken off the way that Mozilla has. And someone has to say, the reason that that uh, that Mozilla is so successful is is at least partly because they have such a you know such a good uh, you know uh, 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 surrounding them. And then you look at things like Red Hat, who are basically doing kind of the same thing, where they're a very large company and doing a very very good job. Uh, you know, and h- how does that play in you,
4: you know what so corporate governance means everything? Yeah, really so, does. So corporate governance having corporate governance um, even even for smaller projects um, That that goes a long way in, in uh, ensuring longevity hmm and with corporate governance like People have got to get paid. Yeah, you know because like there are a lot of there are a lot of no, and and it's not easy to always pay people. Of, of course, it's not when you're first starting off, but but once you get to the point where where the project is is self-sufficient, the self-sufficiency isn't. Um, it, it, it there's no autopilot for self-sufficiency. Yeah. Right. I mean, you yeah. got to actually maintain it. Right. You know. So uh, like like I, I definitely believe that, I, and I definitely support Mozilla. I, yeah. I, I definitely do. You know, in in regards to you know uh you know having that browser available because I I think that you know the ecosystem of browsers. You know, I, you know is like we definitely need Mozilla in our ecosystem. Oh, absolutely! And at the same time, you know, I use I use crazy browsers like Dillo. It's really light, lightweight, yeah, fast. Yeah. Uh, I, I use Links and eLinks and sure, um, uh, you know, uh, just and 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 of course I use like like uh, um, Ice. Um, I just had a brain fart. Uh, one one is named Coopzilla, which is I think it's. Um, <laughs> It's it's um, it's like a clone of a... I can't remember the name, of browser. I just I haven't slept. I haven't slept yeah. a lot either. You know what? That's a conference thing, is it not? Yeah, it, it, it's it a is. conference thing. It is, buddy. I'll I had, tell you, what. I had
1: four. I had four. Uh, I had four hours late before we started the interview. I talked to this 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 fine young man for for like four, th- what two hours last night, an hour two hours last night, something around there. But over the course of two hours, and uh, and he shows up today, and I I, I drew a name blanks. So I said, I'm really sorry, I forgot your name. He tells me, I sit down. And I forget again. Like it's just it, it's it's that bad. Like and it, it's because I've had three hours of sleep last night. I had two before that. Three the night before that. Like it just it's constant sleep deprivation. That's yeah. a conference
4: thing. Yeah, yeah. These, these conferences definitely can uh can be can be rough on you. Is it Ice Weasel? Ice Weasel. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. Chat, yeah. chat room has you covered. They. Yeah, <laughs> they I go. Could, I bet he's talking man, about Ice Weasel. I, <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't even get. It. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a BSD and a Debian guy. So you know. Yeah. I mean, okay. You, you gotta you you got to use that Rock the Ice Weasel. Yeah. Definitely.
1: So if somebody was interested in Fossicon or getting involved, uh, where would they go? Where would they tie? And where would they le-
4: learn more about you? Well, so if you want... I'm not. I'm not that interesting. I'll tell you the truth, FaucetCon is interesting. Okay. Okay. So if they want to learn more about FossetCon, they can go to FossetCon.org. That's F-O-S-S-E-T-C-O-N.org or CFPs open. Um, so if you are a speaker, if you're aspiring speaker, if you are a beginner, and you say, Hey, I learned. I learned something cool. Like you know, I like to tell everybody else. Yeah. Submit a talk. You know, it's not a thing yeah. where where you've got to be this seasoned individual and you know, we we view anybody, we view everyone as a professional mm-hmm. when they submit the, the content. But it's just at times uh, beginners don't believe. like, Oh, I don't know enough. I'm not sure. But it's like, yeah. well, you know, in you learning, um, like there were there was a process that you had to go through. Yep. And you sharing that process, others learn. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as I said, it'll be great for people to submit talks. Uh, hey, follow us on Twitter. We'll follow you back, and we'll have a dialogue, and we'll reshare your links if you got cool projects. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, things such as that. And uh, I'm actually, I'm doing a talk, as I said, at OSCON this year. You can uh, Google, uh, like, or uh, DuckDuckGo or whatever the search. Yeah, whatever the, whatever the cool yeah, ones yeah, the kids which, are which, using yeah. these days. Uh, like, search out uh, Brian Smith and how to build a botnet. I'm doing a talk hmm. at Ascon on how to build a botnet. Who
1: doesn't, who doesn't want to know how to build a botnet?
4: Yeah, you know, who, who's not interested in the inner workings of a botnet?
1: I sure am. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. We really appreciate it. Um, are you going to be here tomorrow?
4: Yes, sir. I will be here tomorrow.
1: All right. Well, we're going to do a live broadcast uh, tomorrow, and I'm if I, I'm not sure exactly how the time's going to shake out, but I'd love to take a, a camera over to your booth, talk to you about Fosca, where you can get some shots of 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 uh, of your of your swag and your shirts and and stuff like that. And I think I think you're a truly valuable member to the community. I think I wish more people would would have your train of thought and would have your humility.
4: Well, thank you very much for those comments, and and also. Uh, appreciated the conversation I had with you because uh, we're of the same club. Yeah, we are. We yeah, we're we of are the same club. Yeah, 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 we
1: we're we're very close-minded. That's for sure. We
4: both hold the ring.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'll go with that any day. Well, thanks a lot. We really appreciate right, having thanks you. Thanks
4: a lot,
0: You know, we're gonna have to totally meet up with Brian at OSCON since we're gonna be down there. I would love to see yeah. us talk on botnets yeah yeah uh, that it would it would be awesome, yeah. Brian was a, it was uh, he's got a great way of thinking about this kind of stuff. You know, I misspoke earlier. I said he was going to be our last uh, our last interview, but actually, we still have an interview from Michael Hall from Canonical, where he talks about Ubuntu yes. Touch. And then I want to play a tour of the of the Linux rig you built there too. So we have that's still coming up in the show. It's crazy. How is the floor there? Are you all by yourself? do you are you just all lonesome now?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm lonesome. And then the other part that I'm dealing with is uh, the... Uh, Teardown? The, well, I'm getting told numerous different things. So, like, the, the guy came over and he's like, can I unplug your internet yet? And I'm like, this would be the worst possible time for you to unplug the internet, it would seem. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, let's get the, the Michael Hall interview. It's certainly an interesting thing. So, yeah. we
0: definitely have to We'll play that. that. All right. We'll run this one. It's a great chat. And it just happened this morning early on the show before uh, last. It was like the pre-pre-show. And uh, Michael sat down with Noah.
1: Welcome. Joining me over from the Ubuntu booth is Michael Hall. Now, Michael and I had a chance to talk. Uh, about, was it at Scale? Was the last time I saw you? Yeah, it was at Scale. Okay, how have you been? I've been good. All right. So first, uh, tell me a little bit. I know that I, I know that I made a, I, I got a little confused at Scale um, with, uh, with exactly, uh, uh, exactly what uh, relationship, if any, you have with the Ubuntu project in Canonical. So maybe I'll let you
2: explain that this time. Uh, my personal relationship? No, no, no. Like, what, what's your, like, what? what you're doing at the booth? Oh, um, well, I think at scale, the confusion was you were calling it the canonical booth. Yes, it, that's what it was. And that's it was what the Ubuntu it, booth, yeah. Right. So, um, again, it's the Ubuntu booth. Um, this one I actually set up is, so I guess it's a little bit closer to a canonical booth than, uh, before because it's scale, uh, then the California loco organized all of that for us. So sure. I just showed up and, you know, talked about phones for a little bit, but it, that was their booth. They ran that. Sure. Um, unfortunately the, the North Carolina loco team is mm-hmm. not very active, mm-hmm like the California team was. So uh, sure. I came up from that. I've got uh, Aaron Honeycutt here, uh, who's also from the Florida Loco team, who's come up and helped me uh, run the booth here.
1: Tell me, uh, so your passion obviously is Ubuntu on the phone, right?
2: Uh, yes, I've, that's been my focus. I'm trying to get back into server stuff and uh, the new snappy Internet of Things things. Uh,
1: what, what is Right now, what is, more, what is more interesting to you or what's more exciting to you? Or I guess, what are you more heavily involved with, the snappy things or the the, uh
2: or the, the phones? I'm most involved in the phones right now, uh, which are going to be Snappy in the near future, so next release or two, that's gonna go all to Snappy. Everything's gonna be Snappy. Server, desktop, phone, it's all gonna use Snappy. Okay,
1: so tell me a little bit about, I, I noticed that you had some phones over there, and that was uh, they were pretty cool to look at, and it looks like uh, Ubuntu Touch has come a long, long way since I first used it.
2: Uh, yeah, it's. I've been using it for almost two years now, and it has come a huge, huge, way from uh, where it was back in early 2013
1: would you uh, the um, the one thing that, that kind of stood out to me that I thought was kind of unique was um, I asked if there was a mail client and they said well there's not a native mail client but the community has made one so we have one so I, I mean that to me seems like that's a really really good path to go down like the we have all the software we need but not, but it's it's made by the guy who made that mail client wants to make the best mail client that he can for Ubuntu Touch, and not necessarily just, well, we made a phone, and so we need a mail client, so let's let's bang one out, right?
2: Right. So um, we, we did this thing called Core Apps, where when we first started doing the phone, we knew we needed more apps uh, installed by default than we were going to be able to write ourselves. Uh, so we started this Core Apps project where we said, okay, these are the apps that we know we want to have written, and we're not going to have time to write, mm-hmm. um, so let's get some community people involved um, and, and get them writing that. Um, um, and working with them so that we give them all the resources that they need. So we've really been treating the core app developers almost as if they were employees. Sure. Um, you know, if they have a problem, they go to someone on the SDK team or the Phone Foundations team, and they yeah. say, "Hey, look, this doesn't work. It's got to get fixed." And those people know they got to fix it. It's you know a core business requirement that they fix it for these community developers.
1: Man, that's awesome. And that 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 goes to speak to to uh, to what what emphasis Canonical and Ubuntu places on the community. Then.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's it's been a, it's an unusual relationship because we do um, you know we don't just support the community mm-hmm. we we rely on them to, to produce products that our partners want. So our product our partners say you know we want you know this this and this. It's got to have a music player. Uh, it's got to have um, a calendar. It's got to have a calculator. A clock. You know the basic stuff. Yeah. And you know we couldn't chip a phone without that. But we weren't writing those. The community was writing those. So we had to make sure that we gave them every bit of support that they needed to get those written.
1: What, what do you think the, uh, what is the what is the action plan, so to speak? Um, so Android obviously has a huge dominance in the, in the mobile market, and iOS has a huge dominance in the mobile market, and Windows tries to have dominance in the mobile market. Um, but what is the plan for Ubuntu Touch to kind of try to compete with those devices?
2: So the, the thing that's going to set us apart, and uh, we're going to first experience that later this year, uh, is going to be convergence. It's going to be, you know, a phone or pocket size device that you can plug in and it becomes your desktop mm-hmm. uh, there's you know there, there have been several attempts at this uh, in terms of hardware for Android to do convertibles or even for Windows to do convertibles mm-hmm. and the the hardware is there but the software just has never been quite right for that yeah so we think what we're doing with unity and the fact that it's going to actually change it'll it'll look like a phone and work like a phone on a yeah. phone yeah and it'll look like a desktop and work like a desktop when you plug it in we think that's going to be the game changer and we think that a lot of hardware companies are going to want to ship software that actually supports the hardware that they want to make.
0: I'm
1: hugely inclined to agree with you. If, 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 so a couple things come to mind. So th- first of all, if you've ever tried to plug your, f- if you've ever tried to use an Android device as a desktop, like connect a ke- mouse and keyboard, it's a horrible experience. And likewise, when, when, when Microsoft is trying to put Windows, an actual desktop on a tablet, it's a horrible experience. So you have to maintain a mobile experience on a mobile device and a desktop experience on a desktop device. And I think that Ubuntu Touch is the first... The way that you're talking about it, it, this is the first platform I can I can get behind. And as a small business owner, I can pitch that. My job is to sell solutions to clients that want to do these things. And if I could go in and say, listen, spend $600 on this device. It's your laptop, it's your phone, it's your desktop. When you get to the office, you put it in your dock, and now it's your desktop. When you are in your uh, laptop, maybe you have this little mobile dock thingy that it becomes your laptop. And when, if you don't have any of that, it's still your phone. I think businesses can get behind that.
2: Yeah, I mean, most businesses, they already offered... Uh, laptop docking stations right, so why lug a giant laptop around when you can just have a phone that fits in your pocket?
1: Yeah, yeah ex- Well, not, and not only that if you look at what business professionals are doing geez, I mean they're checking their email uh, mm-hmm. They're uh, writing a couple documents, and they're a lot they give a lot of PowerPoint presentations or, or, or press presentations yeah. If that's what you're doing you can do that on a phone
2: Yeah, and actually I, uh, I got the opportunity to do that on my phone. Did uh, you really a while. Yeah uh, We had a work sprint in London and uh, I went into the, to the London in office, and all I had was my phone. And I found that most of my daily job I can do on my phone. I've got IRC, I've got you know, email, I've got web browser. That's mostly all I needed.
1: So, uh, tell me what IRC client, like, is, is it a is, it a, is it a known, well-known IRC client, or is it something that just exists on Ubuntu Touch?
2: Uh, it's actually not an Ubuntu Touch IRC client. Okay. It's uh, IRSSI. Uh, oh. it, runs, it runs 24-7 on my home server, yep. and I just SSH into it. So, yeah. we've got a terminal. It works really good. It's actually a really great touch terminal, too. Uh, so, I just... Ssh into home, and I can get to my IRC client that
1: way. So uh, I, I'm a huge IRSSI u- uh, user, and in fact, if I wasn't, if I didn't have to capture the chat room um, on the uh, on our production rig, and if that wasn't, if that wasn't being done in Quassel, so I'm running Quassel on here simply so that I can figure things out on my laptop and then put them on the production machine. If that wasn't the case, I would I, I would be logged into my Quassel right this minute. In fact, I might pull it up when we actually go to do uh, last today. Uh, a huge Quassel fan, or a huge uh, IRSSI fan. However, um, I society requires you to be able to um, to access the terminal uh, very efficiently because obviously you have to use you know shortcut commands and stuff like yeah. that. So tell me a little bit about how Ubuntu Touch is making that easier. Uh,
2: so the the terminal, which is another one of the community developed apps, so our terminal is community developed. It's using uh, upstream console components. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who made uh, Cool Retro Terminal, if you remember that one. Yeah, yeah. He's actually the d- developer for our terminal now. Um, so you can you know swipe gestures give you uh, up and down arrows, so you can scroll back through your previous uh, comments. Um, you can tap on it to do tab complete, so you can start writing the first couple characters of somebody's nick, hit tab, and it auto completes it for you, sure. uh, which is really nice. And then he's got customizable um, additional keys that you can add that float on top of the keyboard.
1: Uh, yeah. So, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah so uh, what, what's the gentleman's over there in the black shirt? What's
2: his name? Uh, that's Aaron Henneke over there. Okay.
1: So Aaron was showing me how how these things work, uh, and it was it was hugely interesting. And like, and I was looking at it, and I'm like. This is what we need. This is what I would need to be able to use a terminal on my on my phone and I, we I was actually I was just talking to the live stream about how i don 't think that mobile is doing f- it for me right now, mm-hmm. and I think part of that is because it 's just not it, i can 't get my work done on it efficiently yeah. and yeah. things like that, like where you have those those shortcut keys that pop up, I feel like that is really is is really cutting it really close. I mean I think we 're really close what? when can i uh, when would you say that uh, that touch would be would be um, available to, to people like me in the U.S.?
2: Uh, so Mark mentioned uh, a month or two ago that we would be able to announce a U.S. partner in the next six months. So in the next five, four to five months now, we should have an announcement. I have no idea who it yeah, is. Yeah, of course. Um, but I'm looking forward to it because I really want to buy it. I want to upgrade yeah. my Nexus 4 phone to something better, but I want to stick with Ubuntu. <clears throat>
1: yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I got to be honest with you. You are selling me on this right now. In fact, if I had a Nexus 4 right now, I'd probably be installing Ubuntu on it. Uh, if 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 uh, if that takes if it takes off any. They sign with the carrier. Do you see a possibility that the carrier will um, customize the phone? So put like Verizon will put all their Verizon wear on it and and theme it to be verizon and Sprint would do the same. I mean I, and you don't know who the partner is and so but it, assuming that it's one of these companies, ABC, will ABC company uh, make it into an ABC phone?
2: Um, I would expect so in fact mm-hmm. um, one of the design decisions that we made going into this was assuming that they're gonna want to customize it. Yeah. And so we said okay okay, if they're going to customize it, let's make sure that they can customize it without forking it so we yeah. can keep providing a yes. fix to it and uh, it, in a, a well-documented way that people can undo things. Mm-hmm. So the way it works with Ubuntu phone, we provide the base OS and then the OEMs and the carriers, they provide a customization layer on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, for example, the, the Nexus 4 phones come with the base OS and then it's got a custom package on top of it that installs things like the terminal and the file manager by default. Uh, the BQ phones that are in sale on Europe right now Um, they have a separate custom layer that installs things like telegram and a couple of different scopes by default really yeah
1: so I can get a phone I can get a phone right now that comes with telegram by default
2: oh yeah Uh, well if you're in Europe you can Uh, it doesn't work on 3g frequencies over here which kind of sucks for us here in the US but uh, you know the Europeans get to enjoy it Uh, they they seem happy to enjoy something first for once
1: yeah 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 Uh, no kidding
2: so so yeah we expect them to customize it but we've given them a nice way to do it without making a terrible user experience for else uh,
1: if, if I got if I bought an Ubuntu touch phone and I decided that I didn't like that user experience is it simply a matter of removing that uh, th- that uh, you know that uh, yeah. OEM app
2: yeah so they, they can install their own apps they can install their own scopes and then the user can go and just uninstall those or deactivate them however they want
1: how how do you think that OEMs or or uh, how, how do you think that OEMs or, or uh, I'm sorry um, how do you think that carriers will will react to this idea that they don't have the ability to prevent users from uninstalling stuff so for example take Samsung, for example, they have installed certain apps and they want to keep those apps on the phone, and so I have to root the device to be able to take those off.
2: Uh, I can't really say. I haven't been involved in those conversations. Um, For for carriers, uh, one of the the main things that we're giving carriers that they don't have on Android is with scopes. So Verizon's a great example. They've got this vCast service uh, that they ship on all their phones, and they want people to use it. um, And nobody does, because if you've ever tried the vCast stuff, it's not a real great user experience. So yeah. what we've done instead is with scopes, is they can feed their data into our OS and our UI, which looks really nice. So you know they've got music streaming service. They can stick those sources into the music scope. So now if I was a Verizon user and I go to the music scope, I'd see my local music, I'd see what's available on Spotify if I have a Spotify client and account, uh, and I'd see all the VCast stuff, and it's all right there. So if I search for a specific song, it'll show me different places I can get that, and VCast is going to be one of those. Yeah. So from from Verizon's perspective, this is a way of getting their content to users without yes. having to, you know, compete with Spotify or anybody in terms of apps and interfaces.
1: Right. Tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about this. So you said that you you have previously been entrenched in mobile, but you're trying to move uh, you're trying to move, uh, you know, back into servers and then into Snappy.
2: Yeah. So Snappy is a really interesting technology that actually grew out of what we built for phones. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep up with the changes that are going on there. It's really changing very quickly. Uh, lately, uh, but I've got a, a Raspberry Pi 2 now, which supports Snappy, so I, I went and saw um, Ruth Suley's talk about uh, Raspberry Pi earlier yes. this week, uh, and it gave me some ideas of stuff to play with on that.
1: Uh, tell me, uh, t- so for somebody who's not available, ex- can you explain Snappy, what, I- what exactly the technology is?
2: So, Snappy, the best way to describe that is the same experience you have with apps on a mobile device, where you go to a store, you download an app, and everything just works. Mm-hmm. It is that for Internet of Things, and it is that for cloud services and servers so if you wanted to you know get WordPress on a server you just go and you say okay I want to go to the App Store and I want to install WordPress mm-hmm. so it's like app get also um, sure but you know with all the the confinement and security stuff that we built around apps on the phone also yeah uh,
1: how does that differ from uh, how does that differ from containerization technologies
2: so you can actually use snappy inside of different containers it's not um, it, it works kind of at a different level so of the problems that a lot of people have with, say, Docker is that they get a a Docker container from the app developer. And the app developer is not providing OS updates to that container anymore. So it gets out of date, and it's got security holes in it. Um, So Snappy separates them. You've got an OS image, and you've got an app image. So now the app developer, they're just going to provide the app image. Uh Um, Or they'll provide a Docker image that has the OS image and the app image. Uh But as long as it's using Snappy, you can go in there, and you can say, okay, update the OS. And it'll update the OS image Touching the app, and the app will just keep working on the new updated OS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now Ubuntu can ship updates with security fixes to things like Heartbleed or Shellshock. Yes, or whatnot. yes. And then you can put that on all of your containers without you know waiting for the app developers to, to update that.
1: That's 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 great. That's outstanding. Um, is there are there any other technologies that, that you're involved with that you're aware of that you're excited about upcoming?
2: Um, I'm involved a lot in uh, the the development of the APIs for the phone. So we've got some some really neat uh, upcoming APIs. APIs that are going to make it easier to integrate messaging services and syncing services. Uh-huh. Um, that's really going to open things up a lot. So we're hoping to get like Dropbox and stuff working on, yeah. on the phone, which is going to be nice to have.
1: Yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. How about uh, how about things like cloud and and uh, and, um, uh, and sync thing and stuff like that?
2: So um, the the framework that they're looking into using right now is called Buteo. Uh, it's from the Mer project, and it's really just a, a framework for syncing providers. To to plug into. Okay. So once we have that in place, then own Cloud and Dropbox and Sync thing, they will all be able to provide a, a, a plug-in to the yes. framework and automatically get that working.
1: Now that plug-in will be incumbent upon them to to provide, or that's something that you guys are going to do.
2: Uh, it'll somebody can provide it. It doesn't okay. really matter who, as long as somebody writes it. I don't yeah. know if uh, we've got any specific ones we plan on writing.
1: Well, to some degree, the people from own Cloud would best know how to get the an OwnCloud Cloud client for. Ubuntu Touch, right? And I mean, right. the people from Dropbox are the only people that are gonna really be able to write a client for, right. for Dropbox.
2: Right, the, the problem they have right now is with our app confinement and our app lifecycle management on the phone is mm-hmm. they really can't do that right now. Yeah. Uh, so this framework's gonna let them do that. And then we've got a similar one coming for the messaging app. Uh, we Our messaging app actually uses telepathy in the back end, Yes. Um, but there's no way to provide plugins to that in a, a confined manner. Right. So the new framework's gonna let people provide telepathy plugins that will be under confinement, so they can't do anything bad to the user. Yeah, but they can still then integrate with the messaging client. Outstanding.
1: Anything else that uh, that you want to add before we let you go?
2: Uh, no, I think that about covers it.
1: Outstanding. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to be here with us. You know, it's awesome. I, you know, we're kind of we're kind of we're we're booth buddies. We you know we're right across from each other, so uh, it's kind of fun to to be able to look over at the Ubuntu booth and and you know the other thing I was going to mention is I, I grabbed one and then I left it somewhere. Oh yeah, here we go. These things right here that you guys provide these little, uh, I don't know if if, if if you guys have seen this before, but this is, it's essentially a little, uh, it's a CD of Ubuntu 14.04, and then it has, uh, you know, text in it, and it's, it looks very professional. So Michael, I used to i used to switch people to Linux all the time, and one of the things that I've come across is, I would go to install a burn CD, and people would say, well, was it pirated? And you know, I can go into that whole explanation, but really they don't care about the whole open source freedom, that, right, covered. Right. they just want to get the software installed, and they just want to know if the software's pirated. And you can tell them no, but I could tell they didn't believe me and so what's nice about these is I carry. In fact, you'll be you'll be ashamed of me because they are they are outdated. But I have I carry with me in my bag at all times a stack of Ubuntu discs. And these are this
2: is this is uh, the the okay, previous, previous LTS. It's Still supported? It's LTS. Yeah, it's supported.
1: Um, but so I carry a stack of these, and if I meet somebody in a plane that that wants to try Linux, I can hand them and hand it to them. And the nice thing is, like inside of here, it says you know what is Ubuntu, and then it explains Ubuntu, and then it says. Where does the software come from? Where does the name come from? Um, and then how to install it. And then what that, that you're, you're perfectly allowed to copy this and, and give it on to people. Right. Um, so I think this is great that you guys offer this. Now, I'm wondering if... I hope that Canonical in the future decides that they are going to transition these into USB thumb drives. Uh,
2: so so we have had thumb drives with uh, Ubuntu on them that we've given away at past conferences. Um, they go fast. They go really, really fast if you have thumb drives at a conference. Um, yeah. So we actually the company that we were getting them from ran out of stock and I wasn't wow. able to get any so uh, we got DVDs instead and actually I'll give you a new stack of 14 or oh, 4 DVDs so that'd be great. Uh, you can hand out uh, the latest LTS release instead. Yeah, that'd be fantastic um, and I'm going to give a quick plug right now for yes. uh, Loco teams, our, our local community teams uh, if you are involved in one and it is active, uh, you can actually request a box of these DVDs from Canonical and we'll send it to your team to give away at uh, conferences or team meetups or anything like that.
1: So how about if somebody, how about if there there isn't a loco if there isn't an active local team, but somebody would like to get uh, started with one or maybe uh, revive one or something like that, um, how would somebody go about that? And how does how do you guys determine if somebody if if, if one is active or inactive?
2: So we have a group called the Loco Council uh, mm-hmm. that are in charge of that. They're volunteers. They're elected by um, by people in the community. Uh, and it's their job to oversee the Loco teams and to help them out. So if you go to loco.ubuntu.com, there'll be a list of all of our teams there. Uh, find the one that's local to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. See if it's active. If it's not active, and nobody responds to your emails or anything, then you can go to the, the local council and say, I'd like to take over this team and, you know, reboot it and get it active again. Sure. And they'll transfer over ownership of, you know, the mailing list, the IRC, whatever other resources that team had, they'll get that transferred over to you so that you can get it started again.
1: Awesome. And if somebody didn't have one started at all, they could they could start, I assume the yep. process is similar to start one?
2: Yep. So uh, we we encourage people to do countrywide or statewide uh, teams just to try and stop things from fragmenting too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there isn't one in your area, uh, at that level and you want to start one then yeah all it takes is just going into Launchpad and registering a new team and saying hey now it exists
1: awesome well thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us we really appreciate it and uh, thanks for being a good booth buddy
2: yeah, you're welcome
0: that is a great chat Noah good chat with uh, with Michael
1: yeah, yeah, it was super fun, and this is actually the second time I've gotten to talk to him. I got to talk to him, obviously, back at Scale uh, when he was there, and then today uh, we ran into him again and got a chance to sit down and chat.
0: Now, uh, you didn't happen to have, uh, you didn't happen to have like an Ubuntu phone handed to you or anything like that. Like, he didn't score like a s- no, I hardware. Didn't,
1: they didn't, they didn't give me one. They let me play with it a little <laughs> bit, and there is a Jupyter Broadcasting app. Yeah. on the you Touch. Yeah, so, yeah it's yeah. a great one. Yeah. Yeah, well, I wasn't uh, aware of that until today. But.
0: So Noah, this next one, it's a little video-centric, but it's a tour of the Linux rig and setup you built there to do the live coverage of Self. And uh, for you audio listeners, if you are a Tech Talk Today patron, I'll also post it up on the Patreon feed, but I'm going to play it right now. It's just, uh, it's a it's a little shaky cam because it's uh, Noah was doing a live Q&A with the yeah. IRC chat room and they're like, show us the rig. And so Noah gets yeah. up, takes yeah. the GoPro and walks around and shows you walks you through the rig. But it's actually a pretty yeah. cool setup that is becoming more and more of a a beast of its own. So here's the Noah's tour rig. Welcome. So here is what I spent my, what I spent last night doing
1: after we got the stream problems fixed. Um, This is... You would not believe all the cables I have to deal with. Alright, this is what the back of the, the rack looks like. So we have decked it out I should say I have decked it out with stickers. I wonder if I could take that Linode one off yet. Um, and uh, let me take the let me take the back cover off. This was a mess because I just threw everything in there when we were when I was getting ready to leave. Because uh, actually you can see in the intro video you can actually see how many cables just came flying out of this thing. But if you look in there now... this very carefully. If you look in there now, now we have... Everything is organized. So we talked before about uh, USB buses and how uh, they fill up with bandwidth. So we've got three. I've got... I have... Uh, man, holding a microphone and a camera. Um, I've got... Um, this USB bus is doing the... Uh, the, the receiver for the... Uh, keyboard and mouse and it's doing one of the cameras this one is doing the webcam and another one of the capture cameras and the third one is doing the audio interface uh, and then all of that is getting sent out over the network the audio interface at the top here is coming out into the uh, well part of it is going out into the headphone splitter, and the other part is going out back into the broadcasting machine, and then that 's being fed from this uh, from this uh, uh, audio processor, which is getting its feed from that punch panel up at the top so um, it, everyth- I, I spent my time, like, zip-tying all of these, so these are all ne- neatly tied, so these are all neatly tied, so all these are neatly tied, and then everything is routed, powers on this side, uh, data and, and sound is on this side, to hopefully cut down uh, some of the noise, and, and so far, it seems to be working okay. And then, uh, because I was jealous of Chris Lass's ability to do uh, live camera switching, I have my own little keypad there, that I can switch cameras.
5: That's awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh no. <Noah. laughs> I like that. I mean, so it's sweet. So you get in there, nose, got all the panels. You punch them in there, and you get the HDMI. The Ethernet goes in. That's a pretty yeah, slick that's setup.
1: Been, that's been particularly helpful this week because I only have two capture devices, so I can either have the guest cam mm-hmm. or my laptop mm-hmm. active, but I can't have both. So what what ends up happening is I can just reach up here, rip this cable out, plug my laptop in, and then now, and because OBS is very, very tolerant of HDMI devices coming and going, I've had I've never
0: had a, I haven't had a go down a single time despite switching it seven eight times a day. Nice. Well, so I was just looking at the web stats. Uh, it looks like uh, the peak you had uh, during the Saturday's coverage of selfie you had at peak 1500 active people watching at once of your uh, wow. live coverage. Yeah. So well, I, cool. I th- yeah, it always shows you too much interesting because there's always a big disparity about between how many people are in the chat room versus watching live. Uh yeah, yeah. and it peaked it peaked at one point around 3000 people. Jeez. That yeah. was, let me guess. That was in the that was in the early afternoon. I don't know. I didn't break it down. I just—I was okay. just checking really quickly while we were playing that—that uh, that last bit. But uh, that's oh, sure. pretty cool. So you know, uh, it shows that people are interested in the live event coverage. And uh, so we, what we like to do in the main show is try to take some of the best of it and put it in here. And every time we go to do this, we want to evolve them a little bit and yep. make them better and better. Uh, like ne- next year, for sure, I want to get down there. I want to, uh, I want to uh, go. For, and you know, no, you know what I really love is if you and I could walk around and not be desk bound. Oh, I think that'd be totally yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, and we so can totally
1: make that happen.
0: Uh, we have already planned our next live event. Uh, do you want to tell the folks what it is? So, what we're going to end up doing is uh, <clears throat> when I get done, obviously,
1: because this equipment is very uh, is very heavy and very large, it's kind of expensive to ship around. So, we want to minimize the amount of shipping. Um, so, we were actually, Chris and I were just chatting about where the next event is going to be. And I think uh, we've tentatively decided it's going to be LinuxCon this year. Mm-hmm. So, the Linux Foundation was kind enough to invite us out last year uh, to come do coverage at their event. And of course, we did filming vinter, uh, interviews. And then we did, uh, at that time, of course, Matt was hosting. And so um, I just sent those back. This year, I think what we're going to do is we're going to try and get a but we're going to set up. Uh, LinuxCon is going to be particularly doable this year because it's in Seattle. So yeah. it's right in the backyard. Um, so I'll be coming out there and, and Chris and I will go on location and we'll be streaming live from LinuxCon. Uh, Linux Foundation, hopefully they'll they uh, they'll be willing to have us again uh, this year. And yeah. that should be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and it's that, the LinuxCon event kicks off uh, August 17th, which is a Monday, Noah, and runs through the 19th. So I'm, sure, I'm not sure if we'll be right. there the entire time, but we'll probably be there uh, yeah. on the Monday that it goes live or something that effect. Right. So we'll have all of that soon at meetup.com slash Broadcasting. So yeah, LinuxCon is going to be our next live event. Uh, and we really we really think the Linux Action Show is in a position to bring you guys even better coverage of this if we can keep moving forward. So one of the things I want to mention to the Linux Action Show audience is our Patreon. Patreon.com slash today. Yes, it is a tech talk today, Patreon, but I'm using these funds to contribute to all of the network. This is my effort to create something that's more community-focused and less advertise focused Not that we would be... We would be thrilled to work with our advertisers to send us out to these events, but I love the idea of covering these community events and having that being funded by the community. And I want to do things like go with Noah out to uh, Self. We want to be able to walk around on the floor and be able to broadcast that back to the booth and, all, and be able to plan for all these events. And honestly, I just want to be able to help contribute to the cost of shipping some of this hardware around. Patreon.com slash today. If you go there, that money will make this show better. It doesn't just make Tech Talk Today better. It makes all of the shows. But specifically, this is an area of my focus right now. And one of the other other areas I want to continue to push here is eventually I'd like to use this funding to have somebody back in studio, so that way when Noah and I are traveling, we can have somebody here that's switching the music on and Mm -hmm. hitting records. Mm -hmm. Not that And and you know what, Rekai went above and beyond this weekend. He really went above and beyond and helped out. But you know, he's got other jobs to do too, so I really would like to have somebody that could maybe even, like, sit here and kill airtime for us. Like, if we need to step away from the booth and go do an interview, somebody could be here and looking at feeds and doing coverage and all that kind of stuff. There's so much we want to expand and we could we could really appreciate your your contributions at patreon.com slash today uh, because I really want to try to do this as um, organically as community focused as possible and
1: what does uh, is there any significance to the fact that we now have 533
0: patrons Chris oh snaps Noah yeah our goal that we set uh, a couple of weeks ago on the big show was if we hit 530 as just sort of a thank you um, I was gonna I'm gonna fly out to Noah's house and I'm gonna try to do you still is your Google glass still working Noah? still working gonna, i have i'm I gonna put, put that on, on today, but how's the audio on the google glass not very good, but, we'll, you know, for, we'll suffice. We can I mean, voiceover. We, we can, can voiceover. We'll yeah, voice yeah, over. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm going to fly out play. to Grand Forks, North Dakota, which turns out there's not even a direct flight, which is always a PETA. And then I'm going to yeah. tour Noah's crib. Not all of it runs Linux, but a lot of it does. We're going to find out the spots, ladies and gentlemen, that don't run Linux, and then we're going to see if we can well, find a solution for it. There
1: are, there are no Windows boxes. There are no Max boxes in my house. I'll verify They're that. All, I
0: will verify th- yeah, that. Yeah,
1: you can verify. You can verify. I'm, I'm going on record and just saying that I have to use certain soft, Windows software to program certain things uh-huh. and that runs in a vm box but so that's a cl-
0: that's as close as you're going to find a vm well i'll see if that's not true a windows not.
1: box chris not a windows box so, a windows pretend box
0: and also i think as part of it and uh hacks is keeping us honest i think as part yeah. of it we gotta if not re- the entire episode we gotta at least record like the pick segment or something from a boat yep so we gotta I make that happen that. so we're gonna schedule we it so Noah's that soon noah gonna be traveling for a bit so once he's done traveling. Uh, we'll get that nailed down. Patreon.com/slash/Today though. That's the end goal. There is to really give us runway. Uh, we also we also have uh, another uh, floss-related show in development, uh, which is currently like in the buy hardware phase, and we're using the funding. To produce another Linux and open source focus show. We're using the funding from Patreon.com slash today to make that work as in development right now. You may have seen that teased a little bit at one point in the future. So yeah, no, we got a ton of stuff coming up. LinuxCon's coming up. Oscon, we're gonna be at that as well. That's just like in the short term. Uh, and then of course I'd, I'd love to go to Flock this year, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. I
1: don't know if that's gonna happen this year just because I know, I know. It's super tight and it's gonna be that's yeah. gonna be there's there's gonna be three com- <clears throat> two conferences that we're basically committed to, LinuxCon and Oscon, and then Flock comes just just a couple weeks know. after that. It's probably not doable so this
0: year, but maybe next year it might hit, it might hit our mm-hmm. list. But I'd love to go to those and even more. We want to expand it and make it more of a part of the show because uh, we can still do the show from the road and just br- and work that in there and make it better than ever. So I'm really excited about the possibilities. But Noah, that yeah. was some great coverage. But uh, that's it from uh, Self 2015. Don't miss Linux Unplugged this week. We'll have more stuff in there and also we'll have some exclusives in, in the Patreon Today feed. Patreon.com slash today if you're a member. But that wraps up this week's Self Coverage. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. I just lost Noah right as we were transitioning between segments because I think they pulled the plug at Self. They're shutting it down over there. They're on the East Coast, so they're a little ahead of us. Uh, but that's good. And instead of reading emails, um, I wanted to tell you uh, about how awesome Noah is. Um, I, I, I couldn't even tell you how much money he spent to make all this possible because the Jupiter Broadcasting Network just isn't in a financial position to do it. Uh, just shipping, um, flying out there, renting a car uh... taking time off from his own business and hiring other people to cover for him i bet you could probably imagine it's probably over five thousand dollars of money that's not even including the rig that he built to make it all possible uh... and and really it's the whole team that was out there uh... blaster was there providing technical support Q5s five is providing on the ground support uh, helping with the interviews in the booth both of them you guys who stop by and help them out editor Rikai who worked super late and early to make sure that we could do a live broadcast Friday and Saturday and Sunday morning... Uh, from a remote location, and as the network has grown, it turns out doing something like that becomes more complicated because we have a lot more endpoints now. We have Roku and TiVo set-top boxes that we stream to and, and audio uh, r- uh, real-time uh, radio stations that we stream to and and Ustream and Scale engine and, 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 and mobile phone-compatible streams and all of that, making all of that work from a remote location took everybody working at their best, and it was pretty awesome, uh, and especially because there was times where I just wasn't available. I had to go take care of family things. My son got hurt a little bit, and I had to go home and... Uh, they still managed to get it all done. Uh, they, you know, get the footage recorded, creating a droplet on the fly, uploading and getting it down here and converted it'll so we'll be ready for editing so that way I could edit it like at midnight last night. And, then, and, and this morning, all of these pieces working together, it's a really an amazing crew. Uh, and I am worried that I can't ask them to do it all uh, pro bono for much longer. I mean, there is some of them we're going to help with some of the costs uh, for all of them, but I can't really, I can't really touch it. But I can't keep asking them forever. So I do really want your support because I want to keep doing this more. I think this is a great area for the show to grow. Patreon.com slash today. The funds raised there will use that to cover things like their air travel eventually, paying for shipping, that Linux rig, that huge. I mean, we built something that's both a hardware and software uh, piece that, you know, it's it's awesome. It's like a mobile Linux-powered studio on the go, but it's heavy. And shipping that is expensive, it turns out. Moving that around, I'd like to be able to cover those kinds of things because um, I, I am I am eternally grateful for how hard Noah and the rest of the crew have worked on putting something like this together. And so uh, for me to uh, for me to keep asking them to do that year after year after year, I just I, I, I just I feel bad. I can't. So I'd love your support there, and I'd love to go out there more and do this. I think this kind of stuff is super fascinating because uh, so much of what we do is over the Internet. It's disconnected from people. It's, we use the results of all of these communities, the code that they produce, um, and, and, and a lot of times we're detached in our discussions in comment threads and on mailing lists, and things get flared and heated, and at a lot of times from the outside it looks like a hostile community. The Linux and open source community sometimes look like they're always fighting over something. System D. <clears throat> Uh, who knows? But the reality is, when you go to these conferences and you meet the people that are creating the software, you're talking to the person who makes this program or that project, uh, and you see the genuine interaction, you see their passion, and you see that you can connect on these common levels. Uh, it's, I really think it's the foundation behind the open source code. I don't think we'd have the Linux desktop, and I don't think we'd have everything we have today without these conferences. And yet they are so massively underrepresented in the coverage. We cover all of the drama, we cover all of the flame wars and all of the forks, but we don't create, we don't don't properly cover the creation, where these ideas are born, where people have become inspired, where connections are made that then create projects. That is woefully underreported in the Linux and open source community, and it's an area where our entire team is very specifically passionate about covering. And I think giving more coverage to that, uh, just like the BSD community has, which often puts them in a very good light, would show people that the Linux and open source community is not only very inviting, but very vibrant, and it's very creative. which is something I think you got a sense of in the interviews today, the passion and the creativity there. But it's something I want to expand upon more. I want to get us unbound from the desk. I want us to be able to walk the floor and talk to the people and and walk it for you. And I want you to be able to watch all of that live and then watch the Linux Action Show and just see the best of it. Um, and I think I want us to be known for doing that. And I'd love your support. And a thank you to Noah and, and the entire crew for making all of it possible, to the folks at uh, Southeast Linux Fest who provided the bandwidth, Jeremy and the crew there who made it all possible for us and invited us out there. You guys rock, and uh, we really appreciate it. If you are at a fest and like to get in touch with us, email production at jupiterbroadcasting.com and uh, shoot in your details because uh, we want to expand our coverage more and more. We just need to chat with you first. All right, so I'm going to... That was it. I wanted to just get a chance to say that since I lost connection with Noah. It doesn't give him a chance to uh, defer and uh, put the praise on somebody else like he always does. Uh, And so we'll skip the emails this week, but I'll tell you just a couple of bits. If you'd like to get more content into the show, news, app picks, discussion, maybe just your perspective, uh, linuxactionshow.reddit.com. Go over to our subreddit there. We've got lots of people there. It's one of the best spots for Linux news on the internet but it also makes this show better Reddit.com. we'll have a feedback thread for this episode as well you can also email us go to jupiterbroadcasting.com click that contact link and choose linux action show from the drop down and last but definitely not least my friends no 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 join us live over jblive.tv we do this show at 10 a.m pacific except for next week if you're if you want to be a pro go to jupiterbroadcasting.com/calendar but uh, we actually had something pretty unique uh, we had a chance to go to Red Hat and uh, the Linux Action Show is going to do a special edition of the Linux Action Show from Red Hat's office and we're going to do the whole episode about that we got over three hours of content we're going to try to whittle it down but still going to be at least an entire episode, we're going to skew the regular format next week and we're going to do Linux Action Show visits Red Hat's offices and we'll be recording that live Friday at 3pm Pacific, you can go to jupiterbroadcasting.com calendar to get that converted to your local time zone so you can download the show on Sunday like you always do but next Sunday we won't have a live We'll be doing it on Friday instead of this week. But other than that, we're always live on Sundays. Go to jblive.tv to watch us there and hang out in the chat room. All right, everybody, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. We'll see you right back here next week. I spent an awkward amount of time this weekend on my phone. Having to use that as my primary source of computing because I'm out of the studio, I was o- over at a friend's house, mm-hmm. I'm over at my house, mm-hmm. and I got laptops mm-hmm. all over the place, and no laptop mm-hmm. ends up where I'm at. And so I was laptopless for most of Saturday putting together this show on my freaking phone, and I wanted to go yeah. mad. I'm g- 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 mad. You wanted to have a tiny little pocket Sony computer
1: with Linux on it, that's what you wanted. Yeah, I did. As long as you didn't have to play YouTube. As long as you don't have to play YouTube videos, uh, which I still haven't gotten to work correctly. But like, I can edit show notes on it. Like, actually, type in it. That, like Google Docs, that works great. Yeah, heck of a lot better than doing it on my phone. Oh yeah, oh, way yeah. better than doing it on my phone. You know, we are actually we were talking. I was talking about that with somebody uh, today. We were talking about the future. Well, last night, really, we were talking about the evolution of computing technology, and he was saying that he thought. Um, the evolution was going to be the smartphone. And I said, I completely agree. And then I was using you as an example. And I said, you do the smartphone is really your primary source of computing because you have your laptop, but since you've moved to the new studio, it's no longer your laptop. Now it's just, it it is, it is, it is, it is connected and it is persistently connected and it hasn't moved from that spot since you put it there. Um, and so the only computer I ever see, uh, the only consistent computer I see you take in and out of the studio is your phone. Mm -hmm. Um, and you do seem to make that work. I just could never do that. And I think it's a difference of, of our, our job roles. Yeah. Because yeah. If I was doing IT support, I don't think I could do it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is is what I, I use the phone is like the phone is like my stopgap until I'm back at one of my bases where I have a yes. full-fledged computer. And I can get mm-hmm. quite a bit done on the phone, m- 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 yeah. mostly because a lot of work these d- these days is, when I'm not at the computer that isn't production related is done over email, web, or Telegram.
1: Do you ever do this? Do you ever do you ever uh, go to do something on your phone and you're like, ah, screw it, I'll just wait till I get home? Yeah. Does that ever happen? I mean, so that is what bothers me. Like, it is when I, when I find myself doing that, that's when I know that the phone is a compromise, and it's not I'll, fulfilling a purpose. i tell you. Well,
0: I don't know. So you can look at it that way, or you can look at it. The phone gets me a lot. So here's here's what happened this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. I left my house, and you know, 20 minutes after I leave my house, I get a message from Angela that the Minecraft server droplet's hard drive is full. Of course. So I'm thinking to myself, well, okay. So uh, I have two routes I could take. I could log into the DigitalOcean droplet. Uh, manager, and I could expand my Droplets hard drive. I could do that from my phone, using their web UI. So that, I feel like, no problem. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's something I could, that's action I could take on right then. The, where, what I didn't feel comfortable doing on my phone was my preferred route, which was to SSH into the droplet and delete about right. 11 gigs worth of, uh, of, of, of useless data, and then, you know, just recover the hard drive space that way. That is where I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to wait till I'm at my computer to do that. And that's where I stopped. Like, yeah. I got into the DigitalOcean droplet, I got to the resize uh-huh. droplet button, I was like, you know, instead of resizing, I could, I know I have this 11 gigs of stuff I could just delete. I yeah. just wait. Yeah, and but I got the, really close. I the, could have solved it. I could have done it with a resize. I mean like so the phone, so I don't look at it as a compromise. I look at it as the phone you often gets me gets me most of the way there but not always.
1: So the trade-off is if you don't have the phone then you would have to take a laptop with you to make sure yeah. that you always have access to do those things. And to me, the the trade-off of of always having to lug a laptop around is less inconvenient to me than not being able to do certain things on my phone or and in in and, and because of that, I have become acutely aware of these are the things I just don't want to do on my phone. So mm. how many times would I do I do things on my phone and I just don't really think about it? But really if I have my choice I'd be using a
0: computer. But how much how much is that That's influence you. how much is that influence by deadline? Like if you mm. didn't have people waiting on you, so so the way I mean right. I do Often I often have people waiting on me. But the way I treat the phone is, ref- the phone, if, if I can't resolve the issue via my phone, the phone is like my reconnaissance. My, I get the most information yeah. possible. So by the time I sit down at the computer, I'm basically ready to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm not starting at what's going on. I have a full yeah. picture of what's going on because of my phone. I just wasn't able yep. to resolve it via my phone. So when I sit down at the yeah. computer, I just start working. So I feel like the phone even com- is useful in that regard. Yeah, yeah.
1: But you, you are different than I in that I've seen you use your phone for things even when a computer is available. You know, like if I will never telegram on my phone, if my laptop's there. But well, you'll do that all the time. If, maybe, if, yeah. Even if it's even if it's a function of reaching down from the couch and pulling a laptop up, I think you'd just rather have the phone on off when you need yeah. it, rather than have the laptop sit in front of you. And I'm very much not that way. If I have any way of getting... I mean, i mounted a laptop in my car just so I don't have to touch my phone uh, you know, at, at any time. So, I, But it's interesting because I think the world is moving more your direction, where people are finding more and more ways to get their work done on the phone. And as that happens, I think that the ecosystem of apps on the phone continues to drastically improve because they know that people are trying to get all this stuff done on the
0: phone. Yeah, I can see that. I tell you, you know, um, <clears throat> uh, you're not going to like this answer, but I mean, part of the Uh-oh. reason, I Uh-oh. mean, you, you, one of the things you'll notice a lot is I use voice dictation, too. I don't yes, type it a lot. Right. Yeah, me too. And so yeah. that makes it easier for me to use the phone, and to be honest with you, uh, the voice dictation is just a lot better on iOS, too, so I've actually pulled back a little bit now that I'm using my S6 because... Uh-huh. I'm, you know, I'm telling my wife I'm going to kill her instead of, you know, I'm on my way home and things like that. Um, and yeah. I don't, I don't actually think it's an iOS versus Android thing so much. I don't really give credit to Apple for making their voice dictation better. It's actually because they just license the Dragon Natural Speaking from Nuance directly. So it's not really uh-huh. Apple's secret sauce that makes the speech recognition better, but I think as a function, the fact that they're licensing the voice technology from a company that's been doing yeah. it for like twenty years versus a company that's yeah. been doing it for like five, ten years, I think mm-hmm. I think it's just a, it's a more mature voice recognition. So on that, sure. that yeah. led me to start using the phone more for those kinds of things, and now I'm kind of pulling back a little bit on that. But
1: you have to, I mean, to some degree, we have to acknowledge when things are better on the other side of the fence. Otherwise, how do we improve them? If If you just, I mean, because here's, so let's just say you never had touched an iOS device, so you didn't know that it was any better on iOS. Then here's here's what that leads to. That leads to a bunch of Android users just going, voice dictation camp isn't possible on on a mobile platform because it doesn't work. At least now you know it is possible. We just need to, we just need to do it a little differently. And maybe Google can improve that over time. I think there
0: is actually a way to do Dragon natural speaking on Android. Like you can get the nuance... Yeah. Now the only problem is, is it wants to do like your text messaging and stuff like that. But you can actually get the nuanced speech recognition system on Android. So that's you know that's not bad. It's not built. It's not baked in though. Yeah. You you
1: know. Know, the other thing is though too is I look at it from 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 uh, from this standpoint too. <clears throat> Android, like you said, has been developing five or ten years, and I'd say they are. What would you say? It, uh, you would be better evaluating, but 70 80 percent of yeah. what iOS is. Capable yeah, I mean, of, I mean I, it, it works sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it works most of the time. I, I yeah, every once in a while, has a catastrophic fail.
0: You got to bet. You got to make like a. You got to figure long term. Mm-hmm. Google's going to crush it with data, right? Just Google's going to have yeah. all this voice sampling. And all mm-hmm. the everybody that uses. Right. You got to figure long, long term. It's going to. It's the the, the advantage. Will go to Google. Well,
1: well, that's my thought, is but give then, Google the 20 years that Dragon had, and but how But then again, better.
0: you know what? But Dragon and, and Siri, they're collecting all that stuff, too, and analyzing all that stuff.
1: They are, but I think that Google is moving... I think yeah. Google is moving at a more rapid pace. Yeah. I think that Apple has... If Apple is using Dragon, and Dragon has that head start, then... The technology is better because you know they've had that head start. But if Google is moving at a more rapid pace, eventually Google will start to not only match and exceed, but they will continue to excel ahead. Hey,
0: move that, um, move that cord there, if you could. That's just in front of your laptop. Which one, just in front of your laptop lid. This one here. Yeah, that one. Uh, you know, you know who I, you know, I've never tried it, but you know who I'm told has the best speech recognition from two different people I know that own the uh, Amazon Echo. Oh, really? Yeah, they say the Amazon Echo has the best speech recognition. Dudes are saying, so so I I, so I know a guy that has a house. Kind of so, picture the the studio layout, right? He's got Mm -hmm. he's got so he's I'm I'm not even shitting you. He has got the Echo in the living room, and he can give it voice commands up from upstairs in his room. Wow. Yeah, the thing kind of reminds me. The thing picks you up from other rooms in the house, like on a different floor, even. Huh. And it understands what you're saying. It's got eight microphones in it, and you can get remote mics for it too, I guess
1: that makes me start to think what if we could incorporate stuff like that into that uh what's that what's that box ivy what if we could what if if we could incorporate those things into ivy so the thing that i didn't like about ivy or why i ended up returning it was because the voice the, the entire thing relied on voice dictation and and commands yeah and she never got it right and i mean i don't mean like like you know how like when you say there's problems with android what you mean is like Nine, eight out of ten times Android works fine. And then one out of, one out of ten times when you least expect it, when you're right in the middle of something incredibly important and you're in maybe bad data coverage, you try and do voice dictation and Google totally yeah. just craps all over. Or it itself. might be like but,
0: seven out of ten times. I mean seven, seven out of ten, 10 times, times it works. I, seven out of it ten it works. Yeah, okay.
1: Okay, but Ivy was like one out of every ten times it worked. Not like I mean, I, I could be standing right next to it in a totally silent room and, and and tell it set an alarm for ten minutes, and then she would get it. But anything short of that, it wouldn't
0: understand. Me. Yeah. See, look, and SM, I, I, SMBFLA in the chat room says I've got echo, and I can trigger it from three three rooms over. Uh, S N B F L A, can wow. you say can you say um, Alexia or is it Alexa? Is that what it is? Is it Alexia or Alexa? I want to try it is alexia Arle- anyways i think you say alexa play the linux action show and it's supposed to start playing a podcast i think mm-hmm. that's i like that and it does audiobooks too it can do audible um so that's pretty cool oh oh oh, 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 oh,
1: oh. uh so this is actually really cool uh we should talk about this on the air actually <clears throat> so this is the start you guys can follow this uh on, uh, you can follow as we do this. So here's what happened. Um, As you know, we're trying to switch to a more uh, Linux-centric based broadcast. Um, To do that, we're using OBS, but no one service is 100% uh, no uh, streaming service is 100% reliable. Every once in a while, you're gonna have problems. And so when Scale Engine has an issue, we do have backup streams at Jupyter Broadcasting that we use. In addition to that, we have uh, a, an audio stream, audio-only stream, uh, that's powered by an airtime server. So, uh, and Dark, well, uh, 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 Icecast, excuse me. Um, <clears throat> so, what needs to happen is, OBS, or the streaming, whatever the streaming computer is, has to be able to send out to multiple streams at the same time. The only way that we have been able to accomplish that so far, is either to send to an, a, a local RTMP server that we use, and then have that redistributed to all of the um, places. Or the second way we can do it is stream into Wirecast and then have Wirecast stream out to all of the uh, in individual places. Um, so what I did was I wanted, to, I want that functionality to exist in OBS. So Rakai pinged uh, some of the developers and said, Hey guys, is this possible? And they came back and they said, yeah, actually it is possible. Uh, in fact, the backend is done. We just need to, uh, we just, you just need to make the actual text boxes that you can type in, you know, the places you want to set the stream and add them and, and so on and so forth. So I went in the chat room and I said, hey, uh, would anyone be interested in doing an open-source project? And of course, Zorok, uh, always wanting to do more things open-source, more things free, and free us from uh, freedom-hating hardware, said, I'll do it. Uh, and so uh, we hired, uh, well, not we, I I independently hired Zorok to do this, uh, this OBS project. So hopefully, uh, this is going to be my first foray into... I found a problem that well, we found a problem. Uh, Rakai was able to track down <clears throat> specifically what needs to be changed and work out with the with the back end uh, OBS guys. Uh, we found, an, uh, I found a uh, an open source developer that is willing to do the work, and then I will make a contribution to him uh, to 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 do that. Uh, what's wrong with the first option? What's wrong with the first option? So a couple of things. One is, I don't... The, the more layers of complexity you have with these kinds of setups, the more points of failure is and the no more problems we have. So, for example, when I don't go on... If, if I'm streaming directly to the stream like I was the first day, <clears throat> if that doesn't work, there are very few things that could be wrong. Either my box is not sending the stream properly <clears throat> or Alan's box is not receiving the stream properly. But if I'm hitting his streaming server and, and that part is working... There are two points that we need to that we need to troubleshoot, and that's it. With this local uh, RTMP server that I'm talking about, I am going from here to JB. JB is then going out to all four or five different places, uh, and 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 in the case of last, then you know Chris has his local switcher in the studio, and that's going to have to go into the mix. And so you've got all these things that are just kind of circling around. Now, if we can if we can whittle that down to just OBS sends it to all of these streams, that's a, that's a great way to do it. I'll tell you why, another thing that would be beneficial. You know, uh, the way that Chris has it set up, he can he switches between shows. And every time that happens, the stream has to come down momentarily and then it has to go back up. If we can get this to work properly, then that won't have to happen anymore. He'll be able to do his switching uh, between shows and the stream will just stay constant. And stuff like today uh, you know, would, would be a little bit more fluid too. So I think there are some huge advantages uh, I, I think that there is there there are some huge advantages to getting this done. But really, even if it doesn't work, even if even if we never actually use it, let's just say for argument's sake um, that Chris decides uh, I don't want to I want to do a local RTMP server. Kai decides or whoever it is wants to do it at, at Jupyter Broadcasting. I don't care because we have made OBS better. We have we have added a core func- piece of functionality that I think needs to be there, and uh, and we've done it in in
0: open source fashion. I don't think and there's and any going th- back at this point. Come on, no.
1: No, I, uh, what I was saying was if if we get so I was explaining that um, I have hired Zorak to do the development so that we can send multiple streams to multiple places oh, to OBS. Oh, yeah, nice. And he has he has he has poked or Rakai has poked the the, uh, the devs uh, for the OBS project and said, "Hey, uh, what needs to be done?" and they said, "The back end is done, we just need the front end UI written wow. so box can place the different streams." So Zorak has I, he was just telling me that he he started and they have merged his pull request in, into the ping, whatever that means. So um, I, I, think we're, I think what we're quickly approaching, what I was telling the chat room was, I don't care if, if we get all this done, if I get OBS done, because uh, this is the first time Chris is uh, learning about this, if yeah. that wasn't clear. Yeah. If, we, if we get this done and you look at it and, and for whatever reason you decide you don't want to do it that way, you don't want to send from OBS out all to these individual streams, I couldn't care less because we have contributed in a meaningful way to an open source project by providing uh, a valuable key uh, functionality and we've done it in in a freedom-respecting uh, open-source uh, way, and it's, it's the first chance I've had to do that. And
0: uh, so, uh, so, cool. in, so, it, like the camera obviously is uh, right there in front of me, and then uh, mm-hmm. over right there, so it's over over there, uh, is the NUC with OBS open maximized on the screen, just waiting to take over the live stream. Yeah, waiting.